I just sat on it for a few weeks and I just was like, what do I even do? And then, you know, a week later, Hey, can we see a mock-up or whatever? And yeah, let me get it to you by, by Friday night, you know, the end of the, end of the week. And so I kind of overthought it. <laughs> I'm out at, I'm out with Kate at the Brimrock mall and I get an email at five 30 on Friday night. Hey, we're all hanging out. Jake's here. We got the big screen up. Can you go ahead and just send over that mock-up link? <laughs> we're in Miami and this is two weeks before his fight. <laughs> and I'm eating a churro. And I haven't really started. <laughs> and so, at the mall, and uh, I go, oh, Kate's like, what is wrong? I go, I kind of overthought this whole Jake Paul thing. I need to go work on it right now. Yeah. And so I emailed him, and I'm like, okay, give me four hours if you guys are going to be hanging out tonight <laughs> a little bit at, at Jake's house in Miami, and I'll get it to you, and you can throw it up on the big screen and see what he thinks. So I went home. What? And I grinded so hard. Yeah. And all the ideas that I'd been thinking about and not actually doing anything with just came to life, put it all in a mock-up link using Adobe XD, sent it to Jake's team. I see that because it's it's kind of like Figma or uh, uh, a good comparison would be uh, Google Drive where you can see other people in there. Yeah. I see a bunch of people pop in. I get one comment on it and it's under Jake's name. It said, Dope. going on everybody so this week we're going to be starting out with a different format a little bit as you can see we got a little bit of a hot take there in the beginning gonna really try to suck you guys in this is just marketing 101 and what better podcast to start than uh than reese's but uh i just wanted to give you guys a little bit of a synopsis of what we're going to be talking about in this episode and it's pretty much a good one for any entrepreneur reese talks a little bit about getting started and what it's like, how he got started pretty small, just selling little bracelets and things like that. And he goes all the way through working up into eventually being able to do hundreds of thousands in his in his gross uh, with his with his company. And he does a very good job at niching down. You learn a lot about that in this episode. We talk a little about cold email marketing, and we just get excited about uh, being entrepreneurs, where we get our drive. I stumble over my timelines. I think I tell you a couple different times in this that I'm doing some things at a younger age when I think I'm actually a little bit older when I was doing them. But anyways, that's just that's just what happens. You get carried away in the moment. And when you've lived a couple lifetimes, you start to forget some stuff. So forgive me for that. But if you want to know more about what I've actually done in my lifetime, I, I wrote out a really good uh, timeline in the uh, – I think it's episode five, who is Drew Gerber. So you can pop back in over there. But Reese is somebody that, I mean, honestly, if if it wasn't for Reese, this podcast wouldn't even be a thing. He is somebody that has really pushed me to get this done. And as you can see, he's a he's a very inspirational guy. He's he's done some pretty cool stuff in his life. And he's just he's really good at um off the cuff conversation. And uh he's got so much to talk about. It's it's easy for us to riff for the two and a half hours that we're going to riff for in this episode. So anyways, just remember to like, subscribe, and rate and review on whatever whatever uh, platform you guys are listening to, please, and we'll let you get into the episode. Thanks for listening. Uh, welcome everybody. This is episode, I don't know which episode this is going to be yet. I guess we're, it should be nine, but I'm going to do a solo. I was going to do a solo in between you and Luke, 
your brother-in-law, but we'll, we'll see what happens. So, all right, everybody, this is race queen. Uh, we got him in the hot seat today and we actually have Kyle here too. He's going to be our producer. He's going to be running everything, making sure that we're switching camera angles and everything like that. Um, I guess when I say Reese queen, you can go ahead and show him. And then when you, when I say, you know, whatever, when I'm talking to the camera, you talk to me. Yeah, you got it. (laughs) Kyle's, uh, Kyle's got some experience in this. We'll get it figured out, but I've been here for 20 minutes. I can tell he's, he's going to have this down. Yeah. I'm, I'm stoked. This is the most professional we've done it so far. It feels exciting. Yeah. It feels exciting. It's super cool. We got the lights, we got, everything looks good. We got the right lenses on the cameras. I'm really stoked, but. Reese Quinn and I go uh, a little ways back. When did we meet? What time was that? Was that when did I meet Drew Gerber? Yeah, <laughs> that's two or three years ago. Uh, it's been at least four or five years because oh, I, really? I met you. Okay, so I met you when I was eighteen. Yeah, I was headed out to Richmond to okay. go do that stuff with the startup that I worked at, and mm-hmm. you, dude, you gave me so much advice. <laughs> and two, you mentioned this on your show, but okay. I thought you were thirty-two. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It turns out we're like the same age. I yeah. think you're. Like maybe like half a year older. Yeah. Something like I'm that. 25 and be 26 next month. So you were running your web design business and you were giving me all this advice on how to put deals together and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I got so pumped. <laughs> I go, funny. Oh my <laughs> goodness. And I went up and I remember telling somebody, I was like, I just met the coolest guy ever. <laughs> okay. He had all this startup experience and now he just passed on the baton to me. I'm going to go crush it. You want to, you want to just interview me today? dude? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I love the way you're inter- introducing me. That's great. Um, yeah, so Reese and I go way back. Immediately, we had like a, a kinship in a way because we were so stoked about uh, just entrepreneurship, trying different things, kind of breaking the mold, not doing the the typical. And it's not very typical for here in Montana either. Like, not yet. It's kind of hard to to find those people that are on a like minded. And did you you understood the power of the internet? And I was just starting to understand that and get more and more excited about it. So, yeah. um, that was that was really cool. So. I guess we'll just kind of talk a little bit about your background, um, go over kind of what got you excited on your path. You currently own a, it's called Meeting Pair. Meeting Pair. Yeah, you own a company right now that is mostly cold cold email marketing. And yeah, it's it's a company that we're forming into more of a tech company okay. that connects agencies to their next big project. Agencies. Now, this is web design agencies? Web design agencies, because okay. that's, that's the background I come from. Yeah. So, Current project right now, meetingpair.com. Feel free to check it out. We're going to be changing it dramatically because we're shooting a lot of content and stuff. Yeah. Which is going to be incorporated into the brand and, and sort of the product that we're building. But yeah, for right now, we we connect digital agency owners to find their next big uh, client. It's basically a lead generation machine that right. we're trying to create. But using technology to actually pair people up that would have never met before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So definitely want to cover a little bit of that. But where did you get started first? Because... Man, yeah. there's just something. There's something about the way that we we both connected on my phone. I got to turn this off really quick. Sorry about that. Um, we connected on just vision and everything, but I kind of want to know where that came from. Yeah. Um, your family and everything. Your dad was a truck driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, your mom's a nurse. Yes. And you kind of grew up kind of middle class, I'd say, a little bit uh, here in yeah. Billings. Well, and my parents were so smart. Yeah. So what happened is my dad got into real estate okay. uh, after the economy crashed because of the Bakken shutting down in, I don't know, the 80s, 90s, probably early 90s. For, no, the Bakken shut down in 14. But no, but the, I'm talking about the older, before, or maybe North, okay. North Dakota somewhere. Okay, yeah. There was okay. an oil rush in Billings, blew up Billings, blew up again. then okay. it shrunk when okay. all the oil left. He Every fourth house on a block was for sale. Oh, wow. He bought his first few houses for 
$25,000 wow. on oh, this huge consignment. Wow. I didn't know that. So he was driving truck day and night. Yeah. Which was crazy. Hustler. Yeah. Like talk about a guy that Gary Vee would approve of. Yeah. He, in his young 20s, hustling. You should work three jobs. You should be doing this. You should also be putting money away, buying real estate. And that's yeah. what he was doing. So he has that drive like nobody else I've seen. Yeah. Uh, and so he still kind of has that. But what he's doing now is, well, I'll, I'll get into that. But the reason that we were able to buy a house, they were able to buy a house on the West End that's right next to Arrowhead Elementary over yeah. there as a truck driver, as my mom doing it as a nurse. It just made really smart decisions and then got the, even that house on sale. So, yeah, I grew up in a cool area. And it give people like an idea, like the West End's kind of the, it's a little bit more expensive area and everything. Because um, I'm a real estate agent, I can't say exactly. It's, it's yeah, it's a nicer area. So And the people I got to grow up with were, I mean, half of them now are at Ivy League schools, yeah. Duke, stuff like that. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like one of my good buddies is actually getting paid to go to Berkeley and wow. study science and stuff. That's it's very, my best friend. Yeah. So these kids were smart. Yeah. Uh, and I grew up with them. And Jonah was part of that group too. Okay. Speaking of which, Jonah Pearl. Yeah. Small yeah. world. Yeah. Small world. A lot of those West End kids have gone on to do some pretty out of the world stuff. Yeah. And I, I got to kind of grow up in that too at Central High. A lot of those kids went on to do, I mean, I think there's one gal that got a uh, full scholarship for both Duke and what's the one across the river from Duke? I don't know. Uh, the other <laughs> college, but she got a full ride at both of those. And, um, so she was literally doing two different schools, but anyways, that's off topic. But, uh, so you're, where did you get this mindset then that you wanted to do something that wouldn't take so much time? I, I think it's probably similar to me. This is the way I would infer it is your dad was gone all the time, working hourly, getting paid hourly, but he might've instilled a little bit of this passive income mailbox money idea. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So what kind of made you think that tech was the way to go? Because you, you also played this, baseball. You did a bunch yeah. of stuff. I do in the baseball thing for me, I mean, I mean, I don't even really want to get into that. It's such a small part of my – it took a lot of time. Mm-hmm. But for who I am, like I was very unhappy actually playing baseball most of the time. And you got into playing and college ball. And people that, that, that know me yeah. from my teams and stuff, like I wasn't always a happy baseball player. Yeah. I was not happy to be sitting in the dugout 95% of the time. Yeah. I loved when I got to play a few times. Uh, so anyways, just to that topic, I did play. I did play college ball even, which was yeah. just kind of lack of knowing yourself well. At ASU? No, tried to play on there, but what I was trying to do is go to a junior college. Okay. And they feed right into those kind of programs. Okay. New Mexico, uh, even Alabama, a kid went from that school, and that you can jump to better schools if you're good. Yeah. But that's not what I wanted to yeah. do at yeah. all. Yeah. It sounded miserable. So the, the hustle, though. And the drive that I got, I think, was really instilled from my dad at a young age because I remember uh, uh, this vividly. We were driving out to shoot guns at about five years old. Mm-hmm. Out that uh, there's like a shooting range out by that racetrack, seventeen mile, probably. Yep. And I remember him talking about the the, the debt we we're in as a country, mm-hmm. and him telling me as like I was five. Yeah. Well, we're you know we're nearing a trillion dollars in debt, this and that. We're misman- government's mismanaging money, mm-hmm. and I remember immediately taking a responsibility for this mm-hmm. and being like. I'm going to fix this problem. And he goes, that's, that's silly, son. We're almost in a trillion dollars. That's more money than you could ever save in a uh, hundred million lifetimes. Yeah. But I remember even that whole rest of the day, I go, I'm going to figure out a way to make a trillion dollars and pay back the government at five. Yeah. And something about that made me really be interested in money-like opportunities. I don't yeah. know. It's just, sometimes you have it. Yep. As a kid or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they talk about that too. Every entrepreneur said, you know. Got to have the hustle. It's kind of in you. And it was definitely in me. So even at first grade, yeah, 
trying to sell pencils. I, I know I, I was on another podcast where you know this story and I was talking about, I think we had like some clever idea, mm-hmm. color the pencils, put their name on it, give it to people for their birthday. Then other people would be like, great pencil. Where can I get one? And yeah. that was just a marketing idea. Yeah. And it, we ended up, I don't know, making some money, I guess. I don't really remember exactly what happened, but from then, just stuff like that. I mean, that's yeah. just weird to be doing. That's such a cliche thing, too, in a way, because a lot of you listen to a lot of these entrepreneurs. You and I both are huge on podcasts. Yeah. Listen to Gary Vee, listen to a bunch of different people. The selling um, candy. Yeah, selling candy, selling pencils. It's something, it's selling something in yeah. high school or middle school or something. And a lot of people make fun of it, like, oh, yeah, like, so if you didn't sell candy or you didn't do that in high school, yeah, don't, you, don't try to be an entrepreneur, you're not an entrepreneur now. Yeah. You missed the boat, bud. And it's, yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's kind of like, yeah. I don't know. I think that there is something to be learned from it because it's it's like what this kid is obviously thinking about something that a lot of other kids aren't thinking about. And I think the same thing is in in real life too. real life later on in life. There's the consumers and then there's the creators. Mm -hmm. There's the market makers. And that I think it actually goes to show like if you have a mindset of a market maker or mindset of a creator that will change your on your your outlook on life over a hundred percent, you know. And this is the way that God made us because, for example, if you're listening to the show and you're an engineer, a nurse, somebody in medical, mm-hmm. what you feel like you do might be hard day to day. But at the end of the day, if I ask you, is what you are doing right now difficult? You would say no, yeah. because you're sort of made to do those things. And so for me, say I run a company and we're doing a few hundred thousand. People might go, wow, that's incredible. That must be so hard. But to me, this is super easy. Mm-hmm. It's just part of who I am. Yeah. You know, and so you kind of got to play into that and realize it's not necessarily better or worse. Yeah. A different entrepreneur that wants to go build tech might go build Dropbox. Yeah. Well, I'm over here doing agency stuff because I'm always looking for these opportunities. Yeah. Just a whole different thing or four hour work week versus the guy who wants to go start this thing that's going to get funded mm-hmm. and then go public. That's a crazy lifestyle then. Yeah. Not, yeah. and you're not going to prioritize certain other things. Yeah. Yeah, there's people that are made to manage a lot of people and are okay with managing a lot of people. It'll come more naturally to them. And that, and then there's people that want to just run one business, but it's going to make half a million dollars a year for and them And that's easily. great for so, them. Yeah. Because you could be the CEO of some company that's doing $10 million a year. Mm-hmm. You might only take home 300000 Yeah. Or, I mean, this is just the classic Gary thing too, which I need to stop talking about him. But Or you could flip stuff online or have a blog or a podcast about mm-hmm. mental health and entrepreneurship. Yeah. That also does that much just because you get a few people to pay you for their ads every year. Yep. Yep. It just depends on what you want to do and yep. where you're sort of good at it. Well, doesn't it, even make it better or worse. Exactly. It's yeah. kind of, it's your lowest barrier to entry and what makes sense to you and is worth getting rejected for. Um, and if it's something that you find enough joy in that you can get rejected over and over again, but you keep trying. Yes. Um, that's, that's really what determines what you're going to be good at because it's got to be something you enjoy enough or you find easy enough when you do find success that the rejections just kind of wash away because there will be rejection in everything you do. Even if you're the best in the world at it, someone's going to go, nah, kid yeah. doesn't have it. You know, I'm, I don't, I don't know if I trust him. You might just not vibe on a personality. And that's a whole nother thing is just your personality uh, could really be the only factor that determines whether your service gets hired by somebody or not, because you 100%. relate in a different way than another type of personality. If you're like a type A hard hitter, blah, blah, blah. There's some people that will never work with you purely based on, your personality and where you've, where you've, how you've evolved that mindset and everything, where if you're just a more easier laid back person providing the same person, the same service, you will find a whole nother market. Sure. 
it's a thought, but it's, a, yeah. it's yeah, it's interesting. Well, and anyways, too, I want to digress off that point. Yeah, yeah. We're and go we into. We go all day. <laughs> we go all day. <laughs> this is my show. I'm just, I'm interviewing you today. <laughs> well, let's let's go back. Oh, geez, man, I get so excited. I start talking my hands. Um, let's go back a little bit because we got to we got to kind of validate why we've come up with these mindsets. We aren't just repeating yeah, a bunch that's of that's what I want to get jargon. into. We've actually yeah. put a couple of these things into practice. Yes. So you in high school, you're a bit of a whiz kid. Okay, we're mm-hmm. gonna talk about this. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm okay. gonna bring you up. Your job is to make yourself look humble to the audience. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pop it up a little okay. bit here. Uh, but uh, give me a home run. <laughs> yeah. give, me a, give me a softball. So here. you're playing ball. You spent a lot of time doing that in high school. You have to to get into college. Sure. But on the side, you have this this entrepreneurship mindset, and you start doing what I mislabeled it the other day. I thought you were drop shipping, but you were doing. Dude, Amazon. I don't I don't drop ship anything. Yeah. Um, what, what is this Amazon business that you had? Okay. We're talking twenty five thousand bucks a month. Yes, something like that, that is correct. That is and correct. sophomore year, junior year? Soft, uh, junior year. Junior year. Junior year, yeah. All right, I'll give us straight facts. Okay, straight facts on it. <laughs> what I got into at that point is what really developed my mindset, though, to realize that your time doesn't have to be tied to dollars. Yeah. And that happened to me in high school. Um, because what happened is, well, actually happened a little bit before that, and I'll get, this will make a ton of sense to people. In middle school, went to Will James, which mm-hmm. is a school around here, I... Started ordering some products from China. Monster power balance bracelets. Okay. Like monster energy themed. Okay. They were cheap from China. They were uh, 29 cents. But at Shields at the time, they were selling for $35. Okay. So what I did is I ordered 200 of them. Or no, maybe it was only 10 from eBay. Really? Just bought them on eBay and I said, these are knockoffs for sure. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to sell them to a few people because I'll go, hey man, it's 10 bucks want it and then from there and i got this idea actually from another kid that was a year or two older than me that was actually doing it a little bit at a higher level and i just said well why can't i do it to my friend group uh how did you find that kid jake vopel do you know him was he in town or yeah no he's just one year one grade older than me and he was doing the whole order stuff on ebay too and then i I go on ebay and i type in 10 pack of bracelets or 30 pack of bracelets it's pcs on ebay yeah 10 piece whatever so it's the way that the Chinese uh, break down the labels and, and stuff. So learn about all that. And then you can just buy them. Like, it's nothing special. I could buy 10 for, or how much is that? If it's 29 cents, I mean, I was probably buying. 290 or something like that? Or, or what is that? Probably 30 for 10 bucks? Yeah. So why not buy a 30 for the same price that would have paid him? And then it just kind of made sense. It was like, these are disproportionately valuable to people. Mm-hmm. So then I just bought them, sold them to a few friends. Then so re- you're literally, you, you're holding them in your hand. Yeah. You're selling them to France. You didn't actually sell them. Bro, online. check this out, dude. That's hey, it. You want one? They're really? 10 bucks. Meet me after class and I'll give you one after gym class. Nice. That's where I'd sell a lot of them. Nice. Because you're out there and, you know, if you're, you're kind of an influencer for them because they make, they make it seem like you're going to be more balanced. Yeah. So if you're just having a good time with it and they're like, hey, check this out. I remember these. <laughs> I know? remember these. Yes. Yeah. And it's I thought of dumb stuff like, like that yeah, in those, in those years. We were wrestling. I was doing wrestling and, and at that, about that time. And, I remember these kids wearing them and stuff. They're like, man, I, I'm so much better. So I much better on my down, feet man. right now. Yeah, yeah. I, can't get I remember down right now. I'm so I'm so like solid right now. Yeah, I feel balanced, bro. I'm 100 percent here right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're like, dude, you're you're 13. Yeah, this isn't some getaway camp rescue, bud. <laughs> Just be you. All right. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, so we go into it, and I got a buddy. Who goes, those are dope. And I think he already bought like 10 of them. And he's like, hey, 
can I sell those for you? Because I love them. So I go, yeah, let's go. And so I give him a bunch of them. He comes back at the end of the day with a wad of like 400 bucks. <laughs> yeah. And he's great. And I go, well, dude, take half. He goes, no, I don't want any. And I'm like, dude, what? Yeah. If I bring you more tomorrow, are you going to keep selling them? And he's, yeah. Next day, like 200, 100. And he got back into some big numbers. I remember making a thousand bucks off that in, in middle school. What? That was about all it was. It was just a wad of cash I had at the end of the day. So had that happen too, which was just crazy to me that somebody, it's Noah Huertas too, by the way. Shout okay. out to Noah. I still see him, right? He's, he's around town. Uh, and, and that was who was selling him? That's who was, was selling him. Was he skimming him. off the top or something? Or no, just dude. Doing there would sometimes top? be more money than what I thought should be in there. Really? And later I got into that with another kid at senior uh-huh. to get into a new district. Wow. Because I had a good buddy that went to senior. Hey, you take these over there. I'll give you. It was kind of like a little mini, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say it on here, but it was like a little operation. I don't know. You know, of selling little knickknacks. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, you know. I love it. I love yeah. It. So anyways, that's that's where it all started. And that's where learning how to buy stuff on from China. Okay. Yeah. Because Alibaba, which is a huge company now, they're, they're, num- they're the third or fourth biggest e-commerce company in the world behind Amazon, eBay, and I think it's Alibaba, which is funny because... Any white label product that you buy on on Amazon mm-hmm. is from Alibaba. Yep. Using the same method I was using in eighth grade, where you just buy a bunch and then put them on Amazon for a much higher price. Yeah. So I said, hey, well, I've already got four hundred bracelets sitting around. Why don't I list some on Amazon? Yeah. And this didn't come until a little bit later in in life. You know, few four three or four years later, I wasn't really selling like anything mm-hmm. in those early days of high school freshman sophomore year. I was playing basketball, doing stuff like that. I hit a point, though, where as a 15-year-old, I remember asking my mom for like 20 bucks to go. And I used to love kind of live. I'm always, I'm always a convenience guy. I love eating out mm-hmm. and just grabbing a bite to eat somewhere. That's one of my biggest things. And so I loved doing that even when I was in high school. Hey, mm-hmm. I'm um, stopping by Jimmy John's or whatever. And I would always – and I do that so much that I loved having just money on me. Yeah. I remember asking my mom. She's like, what do you need it for? And I was like, well, I want to go conveniently grab bites to eat instead of like hang out at school and eat the cold lunch there or whatever. And she, Kind of weird. And, but she still, I mean, she of course gave me the money, but I felt horrible asking for it. Yeah. And it crushed me. And I had a, I had a buddy, John, and he's like, that's not that weird that you had to ask for your mom for money. You're 15. Yeah. But I was crushed by it because I had always had money. Yeah. And, and, and it's not even like we were not well off at yeah. all because I, you, you hear these podcasts of just, you know, complete poverty. Yeah. Like, no, not for like that at all. I just remember feeling, that. man, I feel really bad and guilty. I never want to feel like this again. I never want to feel like this again. Yeah. It's such a dramatic story, though. Your family must talked a lot about money, though. Like how hard it is to earn it or something, right? Like how hard it is to get it. I don't think it was my parents' fault for making me an entrepreneur. Really? I don't think so. Yeah. It's weird because that's such a dramatic story. Yeah. To be like, and isn't, so it's just weird. Yeah. And they kept, they kept money very private. They're very, very good at that and Mm -hmm. never brought stuff up at all. (laughs) Like very, they're incredible parents. Yeah. Um, so it was never from them really, but I remember that being a turning point for me mm-hmm. being like, I always want to be able to have, have some cash. Some what, cash. what were you spending your 400 bucks? On? I, this is a complete side note. What were you spending 400 bucks on when you, like when you made, when you were making that money and everything yeah. from the bracelets in your middle school, what are you spending that money on? What are you, what are you doing with that money? Gosh, I don't even remember. Sure oh, you, you know, it. oh man. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how long you want this podcast to be because I have all these other side stories that broke off from that. Oh, yeah. What I sure. did is I started buying BMX bikes okay. online, okay. reviewing them, yeah. becoming an affiliate, and making a ton of money that way too. Yeah. I bur- so I don't even love BMX biking at all. Yeah. Never did. Yeah. 
but I would get on camera and I'd go, what up guys? I'm BMX Reese. And I'm going to make this video today talking you about this. <laughs> yeah. I think I had a stage name like that too. Like BMX. I'm BMX boy. What up? Really? In the neighborhood. I'm going to, I'm going to show you guys how to trick this thing out. Kind of do honestly, kind of like Viheza, which is another guy we'll talk about with the skate videos, but I would review them. And I would use the affiliate because I would go, it was uh, the house.com was my biggest affiliate. I think I was their biggest affiliate hmm. that they ever had too. Yeah. So the house.com, if you go on there, it's just like longboard, skateboards, vans. You can even get, you can get um, boats, like little mini kayaks, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Just outdoor stuff. They're based out of Minnesota. So they had a bike, the Sapien. It was a cool BMX bike. And I bought it with all that money, a couple hundred bucks. And I reviewed it. And if I told somebody, hey, if you use my code, you'll get 30% off at checkout. But I got a $150 gift card to the house.com. Really? So what happened is one day we checked the mailbox. There's four gift cards in there for 150 bucks. And I go check my YouTube channel. I even looked at it. Oh, man. So you had a YouTube channel back then? Yes. Everything were playing with that? Yeah. At a very young age, I shot on my iPad. Yeah. And I would just go in the basement when no one was home or I just hope no one was listening because it sounds so weird when you start making a video. Oh, yeah. It's the weirdest thing in the world. I would take all these takes, too. Yeah. 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 And I would set up little lighting studios. I've always had a set up box lights at my house like since I was like 12. Oh. Because uh, I always wanted to be a YouTuber, bro. I don't know. How long have you been wanting to be in YouTube? Man, it didn't happen until I always thought about maybe being like a movie star or something like that or, or being someone of influence. Uh, but I mean, it. I didn't really realize that I, how bad I wanted to YouTube until probably I was 2015, 2016. Okay. I started thinking about it. Because when I was a kid growing up, we didn't have, I mean, I'm only a couple years older than you, but or a year and a half or whatever. But um, it's just a different mentality tech was not a thing like i remember getting a computer when we were like 13 14 years old that we could actually use um and i just don't remember having tech really as as a, as a big thing in my house i mean i grew up riding horses building fence yeah just doing a lot of mechanical outdoor stuff. stuff outdoor stuff you know yeah. and, and i wasn't playing baseball um we were doing that and i love video games so i, I started hanging out with a buddy of mine that built computers and everything and so we go over and play games and i remember playing call of duty and stuff but I never thought of it as something you could ever make money at because in my household, it was like, it was kind of a shame thing. Like you just sit mm. inside, play video games all the time, or you just sit inside. It's, it's like, you're being lazy. You're being, you're being not very um, productive. You know, productive is going outside painting a house or something. Yeah. So, um, but that's why I'm trying to relate a little bit with what, what you had for your money. My, I correlated money with time. Yeah. immediately when i was when i was younger because my dad was leaving all the time i hated that so i always correlated with if i could make more money i can i can bring my dad back bring my mm, dad home wow um and i was very time aware very time aware uh like i'd watch movies that were like about the end of the world and i would i'd freak out <laughs> like 11 12 years old and i'd i'd be i'd be freaking out about this like why are you guys watching this like we're running out of time because it, it had been expressed so much to me I lost my, my grand, I didn't have any grandparents cause I didn't have time. Um, cause my parents started too late having children. Um, we didn't have enough time with my dad because we didn't have enough money. Um, we didn't have enough time with, with other people because we didn't have enough money to be able to have time with other people. Yeah. Very, very interesting the way, and it, I would call it more, sh- a little bit more shame, a yeah. little bit based, but I wouldn't say it was my parents' fault, but my parents made me very aware of why we didn't have time. And, and, and I just immediately correlated time and money. With that, how it's affected you from now, though, as Mm -hmm. an adult, if that's Mm -hmm. the way you were as a kid, how does time, how do you see your time? Well, I, I, 
the biggest thing I'm still trying to deal with and get over is the shame of wasting time. But the last three, four years, I've found out you can waste a lot of time um, and not even waste it. You can, if you're more efficient with the amount of money you can make when you are working, uh, which I keep saying over and over in all these podcasts, I found a way to make 120000 in four or five months. Right. Truck. And then the rest of the year, I'd be trying to devise a plan that would not require me to go and leave for four or five months. And then what would happen? I'd just kind of blow the you, time. You'd survive through it. I, you, you lose a lot of money on insurance, operating costs, just keeping all of your certifications up. You burn through that. Because if you take your trucks off insurance, you'll lose your rates and you, it'll take a while to build your rate, you know, get your rate lower again. And when you're talking $2,000, $3,000 a month in insurance rates at 20 years old, that's pretty high. But there's no other thing I could find that I could go get in a truck and make fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a month, right? Um, and so, and it, I enjoyed in some instances the people I worked with. But then when I actually just had to truck and I didn't have those people around me, but I kind of, I kind of screwed off in a way that um, doesn't look like screwing off to a lot of people. But I was screwing off in my head, was hanging out with people and and working on heavy machinery, working in big businesses that I really had no reason to be there. Um, because I didn't really enjoy it enough to stay there. I just liked having people around me. I just liked having people with me and that are willing to take a risk on me and let me go and operate big heavy machinery. It was kind of an ego thing. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Um, and then the bigger the deals I could get, the cooler it was. I mean, if I'm, if you're running three, $400,000 a piece of machinery and you're 18, 19, 20 years old, um, Did, is it good? It's all right. Okay. But at the same time, if you were to get hired, by somebody else you're only gonna get paid 20 25 bucks an hour oh um and the only way you make any serious money is when you take on the liability of the machine and i tried yeah. that one summer did that scare me so much um, yeah for a two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollar machine i leased it out at 18 years old company promptly ripped up my contract after they found out how old i was because um, they just thought you were and they 32. Made, made a buddy of mine go and sign the contract instead um it was very interesting but yeah anyways we're we're divulging here but that's my correlation with with time and money and that's kind of where i what i got it from and that's why i started at 12 13 14 years old i started my first tech company or i thought i was starting it perceived to be starting it and um because i wanted i knew that there was ways to scale up making money and that was uh that was having some more reach so yeah. the internet got me more excited about that we were playing around with bitcoin and stuff in 2010 2011 and then i got into a little tech company startup thing because I found out working for somebody else was miserable. But then after that failed, I was like, it's miserable, but I think I have to do it. I think I have to work for someone else to learn, get the experience. That was the shame speaking. And then I have to get good enough at one thing to run a business eventually because it mm -hmm. sounds like I'm not interested enough in tech to be successful. Yeah. There's a lot of pitfalls to starting something like that without any experience experience or like relationships to with other people that'll yeah yeah they're interested that know about that stuff my yeah. just nothing but blue collar my family i had so. started an outreach campaign in montana at some point talking to companies similar to the one you were looking to build mm -hmm. and the people here are so almost ashamed to be in montana yeah i would hit them up and i would say hey i'm just from billings yeah. i'm down the street wanted to know if you'd get a cup of coffee yeah and they go, no, you're not worth my time. We only work with big clients yeah. from big cities. And yeah. I go, who do you think I'm trying to connect you with? Yeah, yeah. Local people? Yeah. 
so I feel like I don't think my thing would have been what it was either. Cause it's funny. I ended up starting what you basically were starting before just in a e-com space. Yep. Um, which was a whole different world because I feel like it'd be tough doing it the local way. Yeah. And that's pretty much what I was trying to do. I yeah. literally hired kids from my high school to develop a whole website, do all of this stuff. I had a gal that really liked Adobe Illustrator. I, yeah. I hired her. Wow. I used a bunch but of money. That's a lot from, of overhead. It was a ton of overhead. Because my people, when I did mine, were all from Ukraine and places like that where I'd yeah. pay them freelance. Yeah. And there's some talented people willing to work for very cheap because of yeah. their economy and different the difference in, in uh, economics. Well, and that was my issue was I didn't even know what I was really building. I just knew that it was going to be like Facebook. It was going to help teens and, oh. and employers, you know, employers to find good teens instead of those kids having to go to school. They can go and actually get real life experience working for an employer. Okay. So well, this is it was all take initiative. Stuff. This is, this was teen initiative back then. Teen initiative. Okay. Yeah. I remember you telling me the story mm-hmm. for everyone listening, but you basically, I thought you had built like a web design company in a way, or that's what it was, but that I did turned that into, afterwards. that was after. That okay. was after. Gotcha. So when I was in high school, second year of high school, I want to say sophomore year, I worked for a guy that I didn't get along with. Yeah. Um, crushed me. And so I thought, okay, I know that I want to work. I know that there's other kids out there that want to work. I know that they want to get an experience. They want to be able to do stuff, but they got to be able to do it in a, a good environment. So yeah. we got to find good employers for kids. Cause I, I had this complex too, where I watched other family members go to college and we were definitely more the blue collar family that always worked, you know, hourly wages and stuff like that. And I felt really, um, put down in a way, uh, by the way that everyone talked about all the kids that went to college in my family that were from other families. And, um, I was like, I wanted to prove that wrong. Like there's ways to do really well. I was on the trade thing. Like when my, when I started watching dirty jobs or like micro, when I was 17 years old, 16, 17, 18 years old, I was like, I was like, he's literally doing exactly like he's doing what I want to show other people is you can make so much money in electrical plumbing, blah, blah, blah. And, and you can find ways to, to set your own hours, create your own business, do all of that stuff. So I wanted to show other kids how to do that. Like, look, it's not about college. Like there's everyone in their dogs got a liberal arts degree. But no one can find jobs. And I could mm-hmm. see that at 11, 12 years old. And I'm like, I, I know that there's people out there that are making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in these trades that no one really wants to do. No, anymore. it's ridiculous. Like I saw the trend of everyone having to go to college. And I was like, there's going to be a huge gap here. And no one respects this gap. Yeah, especially in what, 2014? Because I, oh, yeah, to even me, before that, 2011. To me, this conversation is so outdated. Well, I mean, if you're still thinking about going to college and you're not yeah. sure what you want to do, that's. I mean, like, I think they've gotten enough warning signs yeah. at this yeah. point. And the debt and yeah. everything. It's it's one of the craziest things ever. And I used to be really passionate about it, too, because, and and this, I'll go back to the story. So high school really opened up Amazon stuff. Yeah. I'm sure you can guess where that story went. Put the stuff on Amazon, didn't sell for a while, started selling like crazy. And that's where you did your 25000 bucks. So, and, and that was situation. to another bracelet product. I yep. can't say which one. I did get notified for a copyright infringement on mm-hmm. that one. Nice. Yeah, that means really you did good. it right. That means you did it right. Someone's, no. <laughs> someone's, someone's at, looking. At sixteen, <laughs> you're not thinking, oh, copyright. Nah, that. Well, you're. Yeah, I was. I was a worry wart. But you, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that you for me, I wasn't. I was, I'll try it. And plus, I was like the only one on Amazon selling these, and it was a really high margin product. Yeah. So it was sixty two cents or somewhere in the sixties, mm-hmm. depending on how many I bought. Mm-hmm. If I buy three, four hundred, goes down in the fifties. Mm-hmm. But the but when I was selling them. Target, all these big name brands had just been hacked. Yeah. So 
So who do they trust? Instead of going to some e-com site, they go to Amazon and they look for it there. Wow. I was the only one selling a really hot bracelet product that I'll also say it's the balance of opposites. It's got mud from Mount Everest and sand from the Dead Sea. Yeah. Balance okay. of opposites. I, you can look it up and you'll know exactly which one it is. But I was buying those and a no, a no, it was the same type of thing, but it was, that's what it was. Listed it and it sold like crazy at a $32 price point. Wow. And it's I'm talking insane. 20, 40 orders a day. So you just had cases of these things mm-hmm. sitting in your house. And every week from China, open up that. Dude, and what it, did your it, parents think about this? You're selling narcotics or what? Dude, they, just... Well, they were freaked out. But my <laughs> mom, my mom would always help me because here I am. I'm playing baseball as well. Yeah. Going to school yep. and taking economics classes and stuff. And I remember I would show kids. I'd be like, you want to see something cool? Yeah. I'd go on the computer. I'd log into Amazon. What do you think about that? So you could. $29,000. In 30 days. I want to hear your mindset on this. Were you even a decent student? Because there's no, no way. I was I, a terrible no, student. I, I'm not, I wasn't. And, and that was okay because you're just an athlete? Like that was yeah, just like, that was kind of the expected thing. And Yeah. Not only that, but I always found a way to get it done. And I, probably similar to you, because we're both pretty good talkers. Yeah. I'd go in after class. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I, I'm really struggling mentally with this. <laughs> you know, and... Something about this has given me a lot of trouble. I would love to get your feedback on how I could improve here. I got bad. And they were going, well, I noticed you cheated on the last test, so yeah. let's start there. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and But then they would I let me. I was paying kids to do my homework. Yeah. <laughs> I was Right. Not. That same kind of thing. Was... And just kind of talking away to be like, yeah, let me retake it. Do a little study in this time. Yeah. Get the grade up to a B or even an A sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so that was, that was my story. I think I finished high school just below B uh, or no, just right at B average. So, so not like B minus for GPA, like 2.8, 2.9. No, it'd be, no, it'd no, be it was in the threes. Like 2.5. Yeah. 3.4, 3.5. Yeah. It was mid threes. So I graduate 2.7. That's doable. It's like a C minus, <laughs> isn't it? Do- yeah, dude. They got me out of there because that's a C. I was yeah. starting to get some bad stuff, but yeah. 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 Huh. Well, anyway, so was in school doing that whole thing. Cool. Anyway, so, and I realized that there's a lot to this whole not needing to do the hourly thing, which yep. is what you're talking about. Yep. Still went and played baseball anyways. Yeah. Said, I don't really know what else I want to do. Looking back on it, I think if I would have stayed here, I probably would have started trying to create businesses that live here. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people in town that, you know, we all know people, you'll probably have them on their show that have very successful brick and mortar type stores that are our age even or a little older mm-hmm. or real estate or things like that. I think I would have gotten into that more. But being that I moved, and was on my computer all the time too, down there in, in Phoenix. That's all I did is is I built websites for people and I yeah. started drop shipping a little then and was like, man, I can't do this. Taking it back to the point about jobs, college, what the heck is all this even gonna equate to in yeah. the end? Because uh, I wasn't even paying anything to go there. It was two thousand dollars a year yeah. to go to a JUCO. Wow. They're very, very, very inexpensive. So that wasn't a big deal. I was just paying that myself. Yeah. So I had no debt on it. Or maybe very little. I don't remember how their whole system worked or whatever. But from there, I said I have got to figure something else out because I do not love sitting on the in the on the bench because I was a pitcher only. Mm -hmm. I gotta do something that's not just go to college four years. Hope that I can be a a a a, a water boy for a tech company. Why don't I just go try to? I was literally thinking about it one day on the field. I go, there's a really good consulting firm down the road. I might just walk in there and see if I can shuffle papers for them and be their free assistant for six months Yeah, and learn something. Yep. I know the internet stuff. 
if I mix that with some real startup world experience, I just knew that was going to be cool. Yeah. From, from that age. Cause I, I knew that I wasn't smart enough to actually go do the, the really digital, like drop shipping and all of that. Yeah. I knew I had to take it a little more traditional, Yeah. but not all the way to the point of that kind of stuff, but also not going through college. That's way tra- too traditional for me. Yeah. Because it's all about experience. Yeah. My grandma one night sends me a clip from Tucker Carlson. (laughs) (laughs) And, 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 and she does send a lot of things over email, just random articles and a lot of political stuff that she finds. And it's great. But I, so a lot of times I I don't prioritize those emails necessarily until I have some time to go through the stuff that she's sending. So I, but in that case, I clicked on it right away and there's this, Cool young guy on the show. Hey, what's going on? If you're thinking about not going to college, we've got this thing called Praxis. Da da da. We plug you into a job. We give you all the tools so that you don't have to worry about a thing. You just follow our program. And it was like a program, almost like a course. And we're gonna plug you in with it with a company. But guess what? We've got a very low acceptance rate. So you gotta come do this kind of go through their funnel. And I did it. So it's called Praxis. Discoverpraxis.com is the website. Okay. And went through the program, and not only that, the interviews they asked, the kind of questions, what are you working on, what are you reading, how, you know, what's your mindset like, all that stuff. Love those questions so much yeah. that I said, I remember telling my mom at the time, if I don't get into this program, I need to find something like it or even build something like it because this is next level. That's cool. I'm not going to another year of school yeah. because these guys want to get me there of what I'm already trying to do. Yeah. The other way is just going to cost a ton of money because I was going to go to ASU the next year because I was getting sick of going to uh, juco just yeah. it was just down the road yeah but then i'm like well not ninety thousand dollars in debt and they're actually gonna pay me to learn heck yeah um and so no i do i could not be more on the not college boat if you don't know what you want to do yeah if you don't like wanna, the troves that's, that's always the key you yes say that. you gotta say that the Troves are going to go to Bozeman from we're in Billings. Yeah. Troves go to Bozeman and it's like, if you're not going, that sucks. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing though, too, is I saw the, I saw the kids that were choosing college and I mm-hmm. saw, I was a super realist kid. Like I was a kid, like the world's like collapsing. We need to figure out how to make money faster, or, like be realistic about what, what happens when stuff hits a fan. Cause, and I got pulled out of Lockwood middle school and I decided to go to, I, I chose to go to central. My parents gave me the option. My dad was making enough money, and he was really heavy into security and um, intelligence stuff. So I was thinking that I was maybe going to go that route, CIA, intelligence, Air Force, or I was going to become an attorney. I really liked talking. Mm. Um, I really liked having that kind of stuff. But I saw the kids that were going there, and dude, it was like they couldn't change oil on their car. They couldn't do – they couldn't saddle a horse. They couldn't build fence. They couldn't do – they didn't know anything about the so real world. So to you, that was the currency. They didn't know anything about the real world. Yeah. Right. To me, I was like, I was like, if any of you kids were dropped off in the middle of nowhere, you guys would be screwed if you didn't have. Well, yeah. If you didn't have. <laughs> lot, yeah, I would say a lot of people would be. And I would be. Yeah, and I would have been too. No, but I feel like you you would have <clears throat> connived your way into something. Yeah. I'll fix your truck for whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Because my, my dad had taught me so many different things, and yeah. my mom had taught me so many different things, and I just looked at these kids in a way, and I was just like. You guys have no idea what the real world's like, do you? Like, you don't like, well, first off, I'm hearing war stories from Afghanistan, Iraq from my dad. I'm hearing like horrible things about growing up from my mom and and different situations and things like that. And I'm hearing like these things about life, hard, 
things. You know, people living don't know day to day what's going to happen. Mm. You know, just just hard stuff. Um, and that was the world I grew up in. It was like you're picking a rose from a newer pile in a way. Yeah. Uh, my dad tried the best he could to give us a pretty good, you know, pretty fun life and let us kind of be whimsical about it. But um, I just looked around. And I was like, man, these kids have no idea what the real world's like. So that was a hard thing for me was was trying to relate to them. And that's that's the reason why that college thing didn't make any sense, because these kids are going there for an experience. They had no idea what they wanted to do, but they wanted to go party, you know, sure. whatever, and do all this stuff. It was an experience that their parents are going to pay for. And I thought probably what they're actually learning is maybe a year and a half worth of, of actual, you know, education. If you actually sat down and that was your whole life and you did that for 60 hours a week, like there can't be more than a year and a half of actual knowledge there. And everyone else just says it's an experience. Sure. And I was just like, man, if that's my experience, I'm going to be so hooked on Coke in the first year. It's insane. Cause I was already partying and doing some stuff like that when I was 14, 15, 16 years old, you know, mm. 17 years old, I'd be hanging out with older people and, I could walk into any freaking bar and order a drink. Like I looked older. Yeah, I that was older. part of the thing too, because when you say real life, yeah. right? To those people, because I know them really well, yeah. what they're living is their real life. Yeah. You just saw a much harder version of it that you probably, you know, should had no business seeing yeah. at the ages that you experience those things. Yeah. So to you, it's easy to judge those people and be like, dude. You don't even know how to experience what I just went through. And I, I don't, you know? And, and so, because when you're talking about someone getting dropped off somewhere, I, I full-heartedly believe that you would figure out a way home. Because you would look at a abandoned truck and you say, I'm going to fix that up. And if, if I can fix it, you'll give me a ride. And then, and then they would do it. Yeah. So yeah. just to, to unwrap that too, because I think it's important to realize that your past is a lot different than people you might be thinking you had a really similar past with. And it'd be easy to be, because they also have their own things too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know we've talked about this. Yeah, so we were in uh, a rat. It's this thing called radical mentorship, which I I really enjoyed. It was kind of a a Bible study, but it was one of the first Bible studies that I feel like we actually got down to brass tacks with a lot of the guys. And we were put in a group that had guys that were high. Is it high functioning? What do you call them? Like they're they're guys oh, the same a. age as us that are just oh same age as us. I mean, well, not same age, but I mean, are you talking about our mentors? Yeah, no, not our mentors, but our our mentors are fantastic. But yeah. the group of guys that we were put in were high. Not well, they value, were what they, they were, were is we were picked. Actually, it's kind of crazy when you think about how that group started because it's almost kind of like it's kind of like the giver situation. Almost, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, where, a little bit, yeah, kind of, which is cool. And I don't mean that any harm because i love the program yeah what happened is i don't know about you you just get an email from from someone at our church yeah that that said you're invited to to do this thing yeah i think they even made some guys interview mm-hmm. for it did you get interviewed uh, i think that uh, one of our mentors um because i had met with him and asked him for help yeah. i think that's the only reason i got into that group was he he just said this kid's got to be in here because um, yeah, there's one really awesome person at our church, and for those of you that know me, it's the guy who married Kate and I Yeah, at our wedding, and we just really look up to him as a spiritual leader, and he apparently picked, mo- him and him and Nate, Pastor mm-hmm. Nate Petzl at Faith Chapel, picked all these people, oh, hand-selected, really? Really? via word of mouth. Yeah. They just asked people, do you know this guy? Yeah. Do you huh. want him in? And then, so, if Tony knew you, he's going to say Absolutely, yeah. Drew needs to be in this yeah. program. Yeah, but anyways, it was it was different than anything else I've ever been a part of, because like you said, 
these people are trying all trying to grow mm-hmm. and our mentors man they were they what were a phenomenal incredible business leaders yeah great like spiritual big in, big in the community oh big in the community i mean yeah. i don't even know if we should say who it is but i don't know either because <laughs> yeah. that could we that yeah oh yeah they should, we did sign a thing yeah 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 we well, might actually have to cut this out well maybe probably I, not let's not get into who gonna, it is or what what's going on there but yeah, yeah. great group it doesn't sound like, <laughs> i don't want to make it sound like the illuminati or anything or like it's some weird cult drew and thing. i are christian yeah we're christian it, it was we're lost christian it's non-denominational church situation like we're just trying to figure out how to navigate and also be successful in a way yes and, they put together this program that was very helpful. I, I never could find people that I was on the same level with. Absolutely, both faith based and um, and uh, and wanting to have success in their lives. So, because I I'd always gone grown up, worked yeah, one or the other way. Yeah, one or the Are other. Are you going to be a pastor, humble? Or, yeah, or not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know that I mean? was a thing. And it, it's it's funny because nowadays entrepreneurship is changing. Yeah, where you actually it's, it's honored to be a humbled CEO. Yeah, and you and you have to have you have relationship to. skills and a transparency and an honesty and all of this stuff. You aren't just some crook multi billionaire that just builds everything off the backs of other people. Like you won't survive in a you YouTube won't. space because people will figure that out. Like you know what reality TV is and you know what a real person is. And especially in these long form conversations, like when you're talking two, three hours, like you have to be a somewhat solid person that actually has decent values and has decent um, ideals in the world in order for people to even listen to you. Otherwise, they're going to be like, you're crack of shit. Like, mm-hmm. or you're, you know, you're not real at all. And that, that, this group really helped me out because it let me realize that you can be a sensible human being in the sense that you can have a, a, a successful business and still be a good person and give back to the community and do very well. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, if you're wealthy, you obviously got it crookedly. If you're not wealthy, you're probably a humble, good, morally good person. Yeah. This thing helped us realize that. And what I also realized in that, the whole connection here was. Yeah, we could say that we we stopped for a quick break. I lost my train of thought. I had to go to the bathroom. Everyone had to use the bathroom, and then we got too. yeah. We we started <laughs> yeah. talking about other stuff because we so thoroughly enjoy hanging out with each other. Yeah. This is the first time Kyle and Reese has met, um, and I've been wanting to hang out with Reese for a while anyway. So we just get excited and talk about stuff off camera, guys. So, but what I was, I'll, I'll finish my last thought, and then we'll we'll roll back into where we were. Um, so my my whole conversation about that radical mentorship and, and all that we were talking about experience and how people have different experiences and like my experience in high school <clears throat> and and growing up was different from these other kids but that was their real world and my real world were two different things however it is completely possible of and we learned this from this you know radical mentorship group that we were in completely possible for people to have different backgrounds and different um experiences that one person might think is soft or one person might think, well, that's super brutal. That's really crazy that you come from that. Um, and then other kids could maybe grow up a little bit more sheltered or whatever, but it's in their head, those mountains that they're climbing. I mean, it's all about perception and they can still arrive at the same conclusion in the end. Uh, so one thing might just be getting out of your room and not playing video games, which to some people is like, Oh, that was how hard your life was. And other people could be, it's figuring out, what scrap of food is safe to eat out of the garbage can 
And at the same time, you both have to realize there is good dopamine or cheap dopamine, and then there's good dopamine. And you've got to figure out how to find a healthy balance in your life, no matter what, no matter what your perceived mountains are to you, the mountains you got to climb, the things you got to overcome. So that was, that was the finish of that thought right before we went to break there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that radical mentorship thing was phenomenal. We had great people in it. We can't discuss who was in it. And it's only, it's not because it's like Illuminati or something. It's just because everyone has their own it's personal Illuminati. experiences. It's Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. No, it's not, it's not Illuminati. It's, it's a great thing to have accountability in your life, no matter what you believe. And, and because people from not your walk of life that mm-hmm. you get to listen to their stories and their come ups because it gives you so much, uh, so much just being grateful for gratuitous. what you've been given. Yeah, gratuitous. I don't know. I always miss that <laughs> every know. time. But Could it's be. a thing I should learn. But um, yeah, I, I think that that was a huge help for me because we we're all wanting to go to a similar place. Yeah. We all came from very different backgrounds. And we we all wanted something so much that we were willing to dedicate. We spent a little bit of time. We had to read all the books. Every meeting would be three or four hours long, you know. All that stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, we'll have to go over that. It'd be great to bring, if we could bring our mentors in at some point, it'd be good to kind of talk about that thing, man. If you and I sat down with, you know, we brought in our mentors and talk about it, what it meant to them, that'd be wild or something. But Well, and their stories of what they're looking to do with the rest mm-hmm. of their life as, you know, one of them's got a crazy exit on a business. I mean, it's yep. pretty public, I think. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, we don't know. We're not disclosing who it is, I guess. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. But we'll just, just really <clears throat> cool world stuff. And it, I think a theme of your podcast, cause I am a big, I'm a big Drew Gerber podcast fan actually, <laughs> is that you've got to go through some hard stuff and you've also got to learn to trust God in yeah. that. Yeah. So these are two guys that have really shined through the like the spirit of God's really shined through them in their mm-hmm. the fruit of their labor. Yep. Which is really cool to see as we kind of talked about before too. But to another point, which I was gonna mention as well, when you go down this path of um not going to college and stuff like that, I think something that's really important is getting in a little bit over your head. Yep. Exactly. And that's the whole point yep. of not going because everything's so protected. And I think that's what you were getting at too. Yes. These folks are protected yeah. from what the real world is. Because, yeah. you know, we said real versus not real. Well, there is some truth beyond the There's word. There's also real in Iraq and real in Montana yeah. and real in Chicago. There's real everywhere. Yeah. But there's a difference between being protected from what the, like, the corporate world even is. Like, that's just its own thing. Yep. Of realizing that you have to really be good at what you do and get up to the right people in some cases. Yep. So if you can learn that earlier, because then you realize that, Everyone in life is sort of kind of BS in their way through. Yes. Yeah. Because let's say you even want to be an engineer. Yep. The best way to do it would be go hang out with 10 engineers that, and get way in over your head. Yep. I'm 19. I don't even, I like the math stuff here, but I have no idea what's going on. I got to learn. Otherwise, I'm getting fired. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened to me yep. uh, in that first startup. Yep. And I can relate to you on that because uh, I went out there, 19, told them about all my Amazon stuff. This is a Series A startup. Uh, and I, Series yeah, go ahead. Explain that a little bit. So they're they're what round of funding and everything like they, they've seed. got big money coming in. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'll explain that. So <clears throat> from Billings went to Phoenix, kind of lived 
on the West Coast. Yeah. I don't know if a lot of the listeners here spend a lot of time on the East Coast. I'm sure there's some people. It's a different world out there. Didn't mm-hmm. know that before I went out there. Different mentality. I've different heard. mentality. Personalities. Are you have to go to school there. Yeah. We sound like hicks out here talking about, well, you don't got to go to college. Just figure it out. You know, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. you know, because to them, it's like, well, if you didn't go to college, how are you going to hang out with, with your bros? Yeah. Because like, if I go to a, a That is a their bar, network. Well, who, where'd you go to school? That's the first question everyone asks me. That is me. their network. Oh, I'm doing this entrepreneur thing. And they just, no respect. <clears throat> you know, versus here, people are like, oh, that's interesting. Like, what do you do? But so anyways, went out there and got in so far and over my head. I landed in Richmond, was staying in uh, downtown RVA, kind of near the college. But old houses, really nice, though, from like the early 1900s. And, and uh, Tyler here lived out there. Kyle. And was with, or, sorry, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I got going too quick there. So, so Kyle lives out there, too, and, and, and knew kind of what this is like. But that, the buildings are super old, super kind of like the, like the company we worked in was an old converted tobacco hanging factory That's that they cool. converted into this really cool startup office. Wow. So I go in there first day. Do you have a computer? Yep. Brought my computer. Do you have a notebook? Great phone. Okay. You're good to go. Here's 15 email accounts from our mid tier clients that you're now going to be managing. So go off and manage. And I said, what? <laughs> manage, <laughs> manage them. <laughs> What do you mean? Well, they're going to have orders. They're going to have questions. You just need to get a hold of them and make sure everything, you know, that they're staying in our sales system. Well, what's your sales system? Oh, just Gmail. Just get a hold of them. Okay. Uh, sure. Yeah. Let me see what I can do. And, and, and I went a little bit more training along the way, but man, trucks would show up. Hey, did you put that order in for plated, which got bought by Albertsons and they're ordering hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of our material. Oh no. Forgot about that. Didn't remember to. Put that order in. You have to turn the truck around. <laughs> because I was in so far over my head, I didn't get really the training, and I was just flopping on my face. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> it was crazy. But I did, I did some good things out there, too. It was so cool meeting these guys who started this thing. Because mm-hmm. first day I get in there, a black SUV shows up. Mm-hmm. Three guys get out. Two security guards. They go into the conference room. I don't know if there were security people. Just people. Like people with no good books. security doesn't look like security. <laughs> I guess so, right? Yeah. And I and I found out they were raising some money in their next Series A. And and by the way, too, I didn't even get into that. As a startup, you go through your seed round. Yeah. Say that you and I want to start a business, but we want to go. We want to do it publicly funded, not bootstrapped, which is mm-hmm. where you don't take any money outside yourself. So seed round, you're going to go and talk to your friends and family and anyone who who's willing to give you a dollar. For equity in the company, usually a really small amount in the first one because you're trying to get started. Like what? 40, 50, 100 grand? Well, it depends what you need it for. Yeah. If I'm going to go start an oil company, I'm probably going to need like 7 million. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't know anything yeah, about you oil. Need, you need machinery. Yeah. Or whatever. Big right. machinery stuff. For startup world, you're going to need engineers. You're going to need to pay a few engineers at least 150 grand minimum. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, the guys in Silicon Valley, they're making 400,000 to go work at Uber and places like that. Mm-hmm. But mostly a lot of your fees are in overhead and, and, and developers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And this case, the company would literally uh, take cotton from other places and then they would t- turn into sustainable packaging for these really big food startups. Uh, so there was not very much cost for them, but I know because it's public information, it's on their crunch base. Uh, they were raising that, that day. I think they were on their, their, their series A and it was probably 25, 30 million. And these guys were billionaires from investment firms that were coming in and, and making investments in the company that I work for. And I'm trying to figure out this job and all this stuff. And I'm 19. Everyone I'm with is out of college, 
a little more polished, a little more professional. And my boss is this 32-year-old A-type, and he's on me all the time because yeah. I was making mistakes. And I didn't know exactly how to do the, the stuff that they were asking me to do. And uh, it was horrible. 80-hour work weeks yeah. to keep up with everything because yeah. there would just be so many emails and um, putting in these orders and doing all these things. And doing, it was like a sales element to it too. And man, that I don't think I could do half of what I'm doing now without failing that yep. hard for a good year yeah, and just eating it every step of the way. But it was so cool because they were so young, these guys, that they were 27. We'd go out and I was, uh, yeah, I was little, I was almost at the drinking age. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But there would be little wine hours and yeah. little things where you'd really get to grab a beer with these guys and say, How, you know, what's life like for you and who do you know? And you get in this, they, they start talking and sharing some knowledge and they, and they even would tell you what they're seeing in you. And there was one guy there. He was one of the founders. He said, you're not going to last here long. You're way too entrepreneurial. And I was like, ah, oh, I kind of thought it was a joke. And then the day I got fired, he called me right away. And he's like, you got to go start something because I see what, what I have and I, and I see it in you. Isn't that so pivotal? That, yeah. Pivotal. That, that is such a huge thing is having someone speak into your life. Now I had, I had a little bit later on when I was you know, extended studies and doing stuff in middle school and everything, but really that doesn't mean anything. It just means that you can actually conceive an idea and have an idea and, and follow through with some research on the idea at the most simplest part of it. But when people come into your life and they actually say, <clears throat> right at a point of failure, you've done this well, and I think that you would actually do better over here. That is so impactful. Mm-hmm. especially at a point of failure. When you see someone fail and you know that this is the best thing that could ever happen to them because they, they, they don't belong there, but there's somewhere else that they belong and you can go in and offer that kind of a little bit of insight. Those experiences could be worth millions of dollars later on yes. in life. They can yes. be worth, and they can also be worth 20, 10, 20, 30 years in later. some cases. Yes. Yeah, well, later, but it will save you oh, the time. time in your life yeah. that, that you would have lost in something that you might not have been that good at. Right. And like this whole joy and suffering that I keep bringing up in almost every podcast, there's so much joy in suffering when that suffering is something that pivots you yeah. in a way that you have to be pivoted. The joy of suffering podcast, you guys. Dude, I, I, I've been wanting the <laughs> I don't know, like th- that and lowest barrier to entry and, and actually, you know, playing on some of these things that a lot of people think is, is cheap, but well, you're attracting it. Yeah. To be honest, because that's how you keep having these themes. In yeah. The show. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think though, that back to your point, I just wanted to speak on how big it is for someone to come into your life at a time of failure and say, Hey, look, uh, you're going to be better at something else. Yeah. And, and actually here's what you need to go yeah. and do now. Dude, I left so confident that day. You did. Oh, Dude, when they sat me down, because I knew it was coming, because they just bought this massive facility on the yeah. other end of town. It's beautiful, state of the art. They, they invested some huge amount of money. I think it was a $50 million. I'm sure. It was converted, something else, an old factory. There's tons of them out there. And so when we're walking around it, we're touring it, we're looking at new offices at this new place. And my boss gets a call and, and he goes, I, There's someone on the other line. Like, he's like, Yeah, I'm with him right now. Oh, yeah, we got to tell him. Okay. Yeah, let's let's do that. And then he goes on the way back to the other facility, the old one. He goes, "Can I ride in your car?" <laughs> and so oh, no. I knew it was coming. And he just tried to talk to me about what I want out of life and stuff, and you know this and that. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm just you know 
loving what I get to do and stuff. And <laughs> then we got back and it, was, it got to be the end of the day. And he, he, he brings in the new HR lady, the lady that didn't let us drink at work. She's an HR company now, you know. Because you get so you get big enough to where there's real rules at yeah. the workplace. So she was new, and then it was the my main boss. They sit me down, and you know he had like a big sheet of all the mistakes I've ever made at the company because they, they they do what's called KPIs, key performance indicators, wow. something that we talk about all the time in our company yeah. nowadays. But then they go, well, we you know Reese and temp or the company I worked at, we're going different ways, and I just you know. And he thought I was going to have some, you know, some lashback. Be like, well, I do. Some I would pushback. do really good. And he had the whole sheet because he was getting ready to go over. And I go, I can't believe you guys kept me on as long as you did. <laughs> this is no crazy, way. you guys. And yeah, and they were just like, whoa. So you were already at that mindset and okay with it. You oh kinda yeah. Kind of it a little bit. Because I would Dude, look at the value. Me. I'd look at the value of every comp of every player in the team. Yeah. yeah. And I would give them an assessment. There was yeah. another guy who also got fired right after me. I I put him at like a negative two. Because I was seeing it from a business owner's perspective. Yeah. And I would even say, and I'm looking at the team yeah. as a coach, and I'm going, that Reese guy sucks. Yeah. He needs to leave because he's not adding any value in his position. Yeah. I actually wanted to go into other stuff and sales and all that. Yeah. And there was a gentleman, move this here, who taught me a lot about sales. Okay. He's a really cool guy. He's a really good copywriter. Came from yep. the freelance world. It was actually the founder's brother, younger brother. And he took me in, and he would he'd bring me in these rooms, and he'd say, all right, we have a call with uh, a big company, a Green Chef, for example, or somebody like that that's now acquired by uh, HelloFresh. These are big. If you look up look up HelloFresh. Oh, yeah. Big company. Way bigger than a lot of people think. Way. way that's why you get all those mailers. Anyways, yep. they're probably a multi-billion dollar company, actually. Yeah. Which, there's a lot of stuff like that. They're not that. privately traded, though. They are. They're oh, they public. Are, are publicly traded. They're public. Yeah. Yeah, okay. They're public. They're on the NASDAQ. Or, or, or even the New York. I don't know. But companies like that, we'd get on the phone and I would... and It'd be a good conversation. He was prospecting. And I would go, how did you get this meeting? He goes, well, I just reached out. And I was like, what do you mean you just reached out? Did someone put you in contact with them? He goes, no, I just literally sent them an email. And I had this kind of clever line about how much money they could be saving as well as why not just get on a conversation to know if we could literally change the future of your business. And, and I, like, we're trying to change the future. And I think they could be on mission with that. And I'm like, what do you, what? So he shows me the emails and he has all these ideas and scripts and things that he reaches out with. He does a little bit of LinkedIn. And this guy, he's just a hustler and he sits down and he's, just, he's always typing all day long because he's, he's a writer. His dad's a writer actually too, um, with real books and stuff, like real stuff. And his brother's a founder. So they're a high, high functioning family. And he, this guy had the smartest ideas for stuff. And he took me under and just showed me a lot of, at a very high level. And so the stuff that he showed me then is actually a lot of what we do now based on email and just reaching out to people. Dude, I love a guy that can tell a good story. So you just rolled right into right where we needed to be. It's all about story, baby. And uh, that was that was pretty much where I, where I wanted to go was, okay, so you've got all that going on. You yeah. come back. You get done with Virginia. Um, you're, did you stay there much longer after you lost that job? How much so longer did you stay? I met the love of my life the year before. Not in Virginia, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> not didn't Beautiful. meet her out there yeah. met her here actually at church yep uh yeah so i i met kate at college age it was actually the same place i met you mm -hmm. which is the same place that luke met my sister yeah luke anderson on the last show yeah and luke which Anderson's is the same brother-in-law yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah which is that everyone meets at, at college age movement which is called young adults ministry now but go there hang out it's such a vibe probably meet like the most impactful people in your life i don't i don't know why that works that way but met her and then she goes 
hey, I don't like I don't like doing this long distance thing. I want to move out there. We were against living together because I think that wrecks a lot of things, and I think it's really bad uh, energy for the relationship in some cases if you're not married. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty simple thing. I know a lot of people don't really believe that. That's more in the secular world, but mm-hmm. especially as Christians, that's a huge thing. Yeah. But she moved out there and lived in the old house that I was living in before, so kind of traded. Yeah. And I was living with a bunch of dudes. Some of the guys I actually became really good friends with, and when, one of them went to Cornell and just did a, had a crazy music life. Uh, anyways, so she moved out there, and this company that I was working for actually had split with one of their partners, and they started another packaging company in the subscription-based world. So say you order um, candy on subscription from some trendy e-commerce company, like this company does a bunch of that stuff, where they put all the packaging together and they ship it out, and you get your monthly subscription box. Dollar Shave Clubs, same type of thing. They do all theirs internal, but these smaller companies, they need a fulfillment partner. So she did that while I was doing my thing. So it's we almost wild. had the same job wow. at separate sister companies. And yeah. Dude, how did how did she, I knew Kate in high school. Yeah. How, how did she even, was it just because you were out there? She was like, yeah, I'll move out there. Yeah. And they're just, she just didn't want to be in Billings anymore. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. And it's good. It's good. It's really good to get out. Yeah. It's really good to get out for a time. She learned a lot. Oh, I'm sure. About life and I'm things sure. as being um, at that company and dealing with people and same type of thing, a little over her head. Yeah. Because she was going to, she wanted to be a banker or something like that. So she was walking into places. Has she gone to college yet? Yes. She got a two-year. She did a two-year. She did a two-year. Where two did she year. go at? MSUB. Oh, she did. She, she okay. was a runner yeah. there. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. She, her, my attorney- um, that I had for, uh, that I had for teen initiative when I first started, he was a running coach and I remember seeing anyways, him and I were talking, but yeah, my old attorney, he's since moved on, done very well, but yeah, yeah small world. Yeah, that is, that is small world. And so she moved out there. So I mm-hmm. said, okay, I'm fired. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they let me go, but I had already thought of a bunch. I mean, you got to imagine I'm working every weekend. Yeah. To, you're you're having thoughts as you see how a real company is run. Yes. You're like, oh, because that's, that's how we run, I dude. Pitched that's them. how we work. Yes, I, I pitched, pitched them on building an, e- an e-commerce platform. Yeah, yeah. I said, yeah. why are we doing all this hand and fist <laughs> stuff with all these orders? Why can't I just go build an e-commerce platform on Shopify? Where they click, I want six of my dimension product yep. that I have already ordered. So you've already built the specs, yep. and then add it to their cart, and then we'll send them an invoice. Oh, no, 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 we're going a different route. And then I got fired. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's clearly not on board. Yeah. He's coming up with his own ideas. He's not even, he's not even good at what he does. He's yeah. trying to sell his own Ex- company. <laughs> exactly. That's why they didn't take it serious. Because they one of the bosses even took me aside and he goes, you know, if you can just pick up what you're doing better, yeah. we, we can get you over there. Which is, I think, a bad management move. Yeah. If somebody's is. flailing over here, yeah. why would you say you need to... Figure that out before we move to a completely different thing yeah. that you actually seem to be really good at. No, because I would build mock-ups and stuff. Yeah, that's you building on your weaknesses, and I a lot of people will find a lot of shame and guilt there. You'll never make it. You'll never be as good as somebody that's actually good. Right, and there were these gals like there, awesome people at what that was all about. Yeah. Um, that they were just out of college, super fresh, super with the technology. They'd never miss an email. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you should see my email account right now. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> I'm Our not a, pretty bad. Ones. Mine's pretty bad. <laughs> I know, right, I know. But imagine if you know you're not the person that always gets to inbox zero by, by noon, and then again by the end of the day. That's yeah. the kind of job that is. That's never going to be me. Yeah, I can close deals. I can design stuff. I can figure out how to get a hold of somebody. I kind of have more of a sales brain, more relationship stuff, mm-hmm. but not technical or not uh, detail oriented by yeah. any standard. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, so you, yeah. So you roll <laughs> off of that, and then we, you and Kate, she quits her job. You guys move back to Billings. Yeah. Right? And so one quick thing, 
because I, I do want to, if you're thinking about getting started into entrepreneurship, you've got to realize how small you really got to start. Yeah. Because when I, sure, I'd done the startup world, I'd also started companies, right, in high school that, you know, when I was selling those bracelets, 25 grand a month. Mm-hmm. So you would think that a guy like that would just immediately start something crazy big. I started really small. Based on building that e-commerce platform that I had put together for them for that deck, I said, all right, I'm going to hit up people to build just e-com sites that do this one thing really well. And I loved recurring products, which is actually kind of what Kate did. She dealt with a lot of companies that have subscriptions. And you can have subscriptions for anything. My deodorant's on subscription mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So you have all these subscriptions in your life. And I wanted to help those people really grow their business. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I just hit up Upwork, Upwork.com. They're now publicly traded. Great place to start. And I just submit proposals to people's projects. And I did this on week two, I think after being like, oh, I thought I wanted to go into social media management. And then I also thought I wanted to be a growth hacker, which is kind of what I do now. Um, so I ended up working with a bunch of like influencers and people that weren't too serious. Worked with this model guy in Israel. <laughs> it was like a really big deal. And he wanted me to just to like build stuff around his brand and stuff. But so I started really small. Like I'm talking two, $300 a month or for one website, which is the same. It would take me a month to do one. I'm making two, 300 bucks. So yeah. I was living on my savings right away. Yeah. I thought I had to close shop and find a job. And then all of a sudden I got an invite to do this job for a company that sells a probiotic supplement recurring and for children with autism called all-star nutrition. This guy had a lot of really good ideas for funnels. So he goes, without even talking to me, I check my phone. You've been hired for $18 an hour to do this work. Dude, so pumped. Like just all out, like stood up, just got lit about it because 18 bucks an hour to do this. And it was going to take me, you know, quite some hours. It was going to be a full-time thing. That was it for me. I was so pumped. I said, I can, I can, I can do this. I can help these people do their e-com stuff. Um, and the reason I didn't go back to being an e-com seller at that point is because I knew it as I was maturing that you can't just flip other people's products. Mm. And that's all I'd really known in that world. So I wanted to do it right. So I was trying to learn from people that were doing it yeah, and get paid while doing that. That were, that were producing their own original product. Yeah. yeah. And I love <clears throat> a lot of e-com brands yeah. now. Like I'm a big fan of Melon clothing i worked with those guys but the real brands that have something very unique to bring to the table mm-hmm. that's not just something flipped from china i yeah. don't like the idea of that it's it's scummy to me and it, honestly if i would have gone right into that because after i got i amazon disabled that account but you can go create an llc on legal zoom and get back on very easily because now that's your new iein mm-hmm. but i didn't want to be that guy that's yeah. just flipping chinese junk yeah online and- I think, but the, people still do realize. that. Yeah, oh yeah. Then they make a ton of money. A at ton, it. a ton. And it's only grown because when I was doing it, people didn't know what Amazon was even yeah. yet. Yeah. It wasn't a household thing. Nowadays, it's obvious. Yeah. Amazon, but I think they were maybe in the top five five thousand companies at yeah. that time, but not number one. I think it's really interesting how this generation though is starting to process this because you know our our the old, the generation before us, generation the boom, baby boomer generation. All I heard about was buy American, buy American, blah blah blah, yes. buy American. And really in the back end, while they are saying buy American in the front, <laughs> they still go to the store and they buy the cheapest thing at the store because yep. that was, you know, and, and I think though that the way that this generation is processing our generation, we're quickly realizing that the less industry we have here in the United States, 
the less, the more we're shooting ourselves in the foot that we're only ever going to be the marketing. And uh, we need to also produce here. We, need, we have to figure out how to create a, a quality product and still control the marketing. Well, if, yeah. if, if this is to, to keep, if we're able to, if we're going to keep basing our total net worth on GDP and gross domestic product and all these things, mm-hmm. like we have to figure out a way to provide a quality product because information is traveling faster than the, the product is, is traveling. And so if you have a bad review on a product, yeah. that product will never be tried again. By Facebook too, because they ask the exactly, user now. Have exactly. you seen those? Yes, I hey, have. How'd you like this? And if you're yeah. like, it never came where it sucked. Yeah, then you're done. Your ad, that, your ad platform will actually get disabled. Yeah, and happens that, all the time. Yeah, that pro that product is no longer going to be even a, a an ability to be tried again. Yeah. So you have to rebuild a whole new company. It costs so much yes. money to remarket. And and if you're still using the same product, are you kidding me? Well, you don't have control over what the quality of that product is because it's somebody in a whole other country, whole other standard. And, and, and you can't call them up and say, yeah, change your product or I won't market this anymore. We have to have direct control in this country. And when I say in the, it has to be in this country, wherever the product's getting marketed, yeah, they have to figure out a way to be able to go down the street and say, look, you're going to lose 30% of your business. If my company falls apart, I'm not buying your product anymore. You got to change your product because otherwise this, this whole system isn't going to work and people are catching on information's traveling so fast. Well, the, the, okay, but what you're almost describing, though, is competition. Yeah. And so if you think about it, there's actually a tremendous amount of competition. And so if you listen to Ryan Moran, uh, who's I consider one of my top mentors. In fact, I started listening. That's what got me selling on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I started listening to Ryan in 2013, 2014, mm-hmm. when he first started the Freedom Fastlane. And so he talks about this all the time because that's all they do is they, they make products better. Yeah. You just have to have the right connection with them to be able to say, oh, you want to make it this. You want to add this other lid yep. here and make it. Yep. And then they'll do it, but it has to be really solid. Yeah. The supply chain is so important, and we're learning that right now with, with COVID. Yeah, logistics-wise, you've yeah. got to be able to get stuff still delivered. You do. And, and make that happen. It, it's a whole nother rabbit hole. We are, yeah, we're, we're going. Have to, we're going to have to dive into that more. Welcome to the supply point. chain podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about logistics. Yeah. So let's pop, yeah, let's pop back over. Great insight, though. That's so phenomenal to, to be able to talk about that stuff and, and us just be able to even be thinking about it and get our listeners thinking about it. But, yeah. um, so you had, yeah, you, you started small and I love you talking about that starting small. Yeah. Because small. that's really what, what is, lets you be good. What happened was Marty, the owner of that company knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. He had already made all these videos about testimonials and it had, it had a Facebook group and it had 500 moms and dads of, children with autism that were ranting about this product. That funnel that we built, which is a website, was I, I refer to websites as funnels often because that's what they are. You're going from the homepage directory to the product page, and then you're making a decision there, which is where a lot of reviews and things like that need to live. That's kind of my specialty is actually product pages. So what we did is we made that product page, and it, it started doing about $100,000 a month, mm-hmm. and he paid me $400 to, to build it. Mm-hmm. I checked back the account, and I... I said, are you serious? Now, keep in mind, I wasn't marketing it, which is the biggest piece, but it was fully optimized. And he had a lot of email sequences and things like that that would go out. So parents just continue thinking about this product and it, it worked for a lot of people and testimonials. So that first project that kind of saved my bacon, even just paying my 500 bucks and rent that month or whatever, was really eye-opening that it was so successful because I hadn't 
then it took me probably a year later until I saw another client that had that kind of success. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of it is actually on the client side to have something good to offer. Mm-hmm. And so many people don't. Yeah. Because like you said, the feedback loop is too tight mm-hmm. nowadays to just throw junk at the wall. Mm-hmm. I got paid to build uh, companies for hair products for men and all this random stuff. And I can't even tell you, even if they dump 10 grand into it, I'd say 95% of them, they don't even really push it. They yeah. just want a brand mock-up, a website, a funnel, email sequences, and then they just, it sort of dies. Mm-hmm. So I was working with a lot of those and kind of grew a company out of it. Cause like I got really good at marketing to the business owners that wanted to get started in it, mm-hmm. but it's an interesting audience. People who want to start something, yeah. not that have and see success with it, but people that want to start something. Um, so that company then turned into me hiring other people to do it. Now, that's another thing, too, that I wanted to mention. If you're watching this show, you should be using places like Fiverr, Upwork to start. I mean, Topol is a higher-end one. But these freelance platforms allow you to outsource, sometimes very inexpensively. And test markets. And test markets on stuff that you don't even know how to do. For example, I'm going I'm to shout this out. I've got another business called View Movement, viewmovement.com. And it's Instagram and TikTok Reels for big corporations. That are on YouTube, but they're not cutting their reels into reels for TikTok, uh, YouTube shorts, places like that. They're just not optimizing. So we're reaching out, you know, and so that's run by primarily freelancers that are really, really good at video editing. In fact, I got the video editor that does Sam Parr. Mm-hmm. You've heard of him. He's he sold Hustle Co. to um, HubSpot for, I think, in the billions. Mm-hmm. Very kind of a becoming an influencer and talk, does a lot of podcasting and things. So we got him who edits that. He lives in Serbia. Very talented young man. Yeah, if I, you know, as a freelancer and what he knows how to do with editing, and we were talking about that too between the show. Mm-hmm. It's very cool to see that, and oh, yeah. I don't have to be a pro video editor to have a successful venture in creating TikToks, but wow. I know a guy who is. Yeah. So that's a big piece of how I grew that because at the end of Brandyak, which I eventually ended up exiting that company, which I know I've told you a couple times before. Well, we didn't even talk about Brandyak. So that was Brandyak was the one that. Um... That was a company that you built up after Marty. Yes. And, and used all of that information to build up Brandyak. Yes. Yes. Everybody then, starts with a personal brand. Yeah. Hey, I'm the guy down the road that builds websites. Yeah. That's what it starts as. Yeah. But eventually, when you're hiring other people and stuff, I, so I'm actually a little biased. I think you should stay a personal brand, mm-hmm. even if you're outsourcing, which is what I'm going to be doing more with my stuff. But most people and agencies that we work with, they, they come up with some creative name. Yeah. Left foot. Right foot agency, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and what it's it's always random names. So yeah. mine was Brand Yak. Yeah, um, that's a classic being just that thing. brand yeah. and Yak. And I wanted it to, same thing. I'm trying to do with Meeting Pair. I want it to be a tech company mm-hmm. where we use a lot of AI to generate your web uh, your website mm-hmm. and really make it a cohesive experience. While it's kind of a run through the mill kind of thing, where where we save them a ton of money. Yeah, because what I learned is other companies charge a ton of money for a website, mm-hmm. and I actually think this is interesting to a lot of people. For a corporate website, I mean, what would you expect kind of the floor to be for most corporate companies that have multiple locations and things like that? Oh, probably 150,000. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'd say, I was going to say six figure minimum. Yeah. To build a website. And that's corporate. But even just the, the basic e commerce site, an agency is going to charge you 30 grand. Mm-hmm. And it's a Shopify template. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's optimized a little. Yeah. But I wanted and when to, you say optimize, that means the load rates are are quick. The yeah. 
the SEO is good. Um, it actually has a decent click through rate. Like you can hold on to people's attention for longer than 10, 15 seconds. There's literally an app called hot jar. Yeah. Have you heard of that? No, I'm not. You can plug it in and it will show you exactly what happens to heat map mm-hmm. that shows you what happens on a site. Mm-hmm. Take your average site. That's just not been worked on at all. Yeah. It's not going to be optimized. And there'll be literally lines that show you where your user is it going on mobile and on desktop. And then they'll literally, it'll go cold. Because they didn't have what they needed to proceed on that site. Wow. And Amazon, for example, is heat mapped like crazy. The Amazon app, yeah. if you have it. Yeah. Everything, the way everything flows, and you go in, here's my payment, here's my... Th- but it's actually hard to imagine how that should work, because we were talking about this too. Some people's brains just don't think of what other people are going to be experiencing on the site. Mm-hmm. And that's called user experience design or UX design. Mm-hmm. And that's technically what I do for a living outside of... Uh, kind of what my whole agency was built around was e-commerce yeah. UX design of how the masses are going to experience it. And if they have exactly what they need at the right time, you're going to have an explosive conversion rate. Yeah. Because then they actually are there to get something and, and, and have an experience on your site that re- results in them walking away with a product. Yeah. Very challenging to do. You could spend a lifetime optimizing because it's all about human behavior and human behavior is always changing. Yeah. So that's kind of what the whole company was. Now, that sounds pretty complex. Yeah. And it is. So if you imagine me, who knows quite a bit about this, mostly a lot of it's honestly instinct. Yep. Because I'm just kind of in tune with that. Yep. But for me trying to convey this to a freelancer that's in Ukraine, which we had a great designer named Anastasia from Ukraine, very talented, uh, and did a lot of the stuff there. But for me to have a whole company that does that, it's very hard. Yep. We have clients now that do it correctly. They've got offices in London. They've got offices in um, Sydney, Australia, New York, and LA. Yeah. And they're all working on their own things. And it's like, I think there's at least 60 people that work there. Wow. And they're doing exactly what I was hoping to do. Optimizing the emails, optimizing this. And they, they charge ridiculous amounts a month. Yeah. Huge and retainers. And, and what you're really paying for there is more people like you, Reese, that have the natural instinct of what people like and what people don't like. It's no different than a kid that's 13, 14 years old that knows how to make a good TikTok. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it's something that you just, it's hard to teach how to read human behavior. I mean, you can give every data step in the world, but sometimes you just got to sit down and have a conversation with that person, or you have to put yourself in so many meetings with these people that you start to understand how to read people. And that's, that's honestly the, it's hard to teach some people how to read people. It's really hard to teach that. And especially you have to do it in mass. So you have to find one person that's good at reading a certain subset of the, of the um, population in order for that to be a successful business. And if they don't know how to read a certain subset of the population, then they don't, I found it so, then they don't succeed. I found it so interesting. Um, A lot of people throw Mark Zuckerberg under the bus a ton and uh, big evil, terribly scary guy from the he's an alien he's not i actually find him very scary but that's a whole nother topic a whole nother topic i'll have to send you a youtube video what i think is scary yeah yeah. (laughs) well i think that he's it's scary but i think that why he's scary is he is phenomenal understanding human Human behavior behavior. but dude he can he can understand human behavior like nobody's business dude that's why he's worth billions i understand i understand so much right now and it the thing is man i don't know if people know this but he secludes himself though yeah because he knows how dangerous it is to know what he knows yeah so i don't know if you know this but he has a house in palo alto okay 
And he Are we bought, getting into conspiracy theories? No, this is a real is thing a you can look thing. up. Because it's registered <laughs> under the Facebook name. <laughs> yeah. He bought a big house in Palo Alto, which they're small houses. It's a, it's a, it's very compact. Everything costs millions of dollars to own even the smallest little piece of land there. He bought the four houses around it wow. just to make sure there's nobody that ever sees him. Wow. Which maybe he's just so rich, but also his, his, his uh, Hawaii island, same thing. There are walls surrounding the whole thing. And maybe it's for his own security, but- like when he goes on a computer, tape over the, the webcam. all of his webcams are covered. <laughs> he doesn't allow audio on any of his computers. Yeah. So he never makes like videos on those or anything. Like, so that's kind of a guy who's not, he's a little, he's a little bit worried about stuff too, which I guess at that level, you wouldn't be just on, Hey, what's up? I'm Mark. I'm in Hawaii. Yeah. Maybe you're not. Cause you're worth so much money that it yeah. could be dangerous, I guess. Well, I think it's also the information that he has. If anyone were to get some way get leverage over him yeah and utilize him and his his could just send subset them, of knowledge hey we need a billion dollars otherwise we won't release it he would well, i mean he probably has that laying around in bitcoin or whatever yeah but i mean i mean Here's if his thing. life becomes threatened can you imagine how much if you think the united states the president of the united states is worth a lot of money and you think that for some reason well there's still checks and balances if the guy goes away i'm gonna yeah. go looked up on a fbi watch site now but if, if something were to happen to him there's lots of people in his place and he doesn't really have so much information as we think but this guy has information all of it. on seven billion people Bro, all of it every bank dude he can log into your bank account right now if he wants to so you realize they have the cookie power to do that oh. unless you block it yeah so here's the thing he hasn't earned the trust of the people yeah because the last dude he's got so many tapes of him calling his audience like dumb dumb f you know effing people that do this that even use Facebook or Friendster or all the other the apps he built in college. These people are sheep. Why yeah. are they? Why would they give me this information? Yeah, he's said that. Yeah, but then its whole life's built built around it, and it scares me because he's actually never made in my in my mind the policies that Facebook has gone through politically, mm-hmm. the way they do stuff, the way they try to control things a little more than they should, and not make good ethical decisions mm-hmm. about using platform like technology in a holistic way mm-hmm. he hasn't earned any trust to be able to have us go into his metaverse yeah that is scary to me yeah that he even wants a metaverse because the whole purpose of a metaverse is that it's owned by the people yeah not by mark zuckerberg who hasn't even earned any trust of anyone much less the trust of the people yeah does that make sense like that makes sense it's backwards it's it's a it's a scary thing and i think that as long as as long as we know that the that the power is there and it's real we just we have to still be able to overcome the fear to challenge it or to create something that will um, rival it. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing is a lot of people will get terrified and hide under desks and blah 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 because it's something that they see that's not out in their control. I mean, same thing happened in 1960s Cold War. Yeah, I mean you you hide under your desk because you don't have the ability to be able to rival something in power or, or and I think in diplomacy and I think that eventually. Um, Facebook is still a weapon. It's still a tool that we can use as a people, not a weapon, but it's a, it's we a tool that we use can use it. and leverage. Yeah. And you can find a lot of influence and a lot of power there. It's when you lose that ability to create something that rivals someone else uh, without 30, 40 years of, of, um, you know, to be able to create a disruptor of without yeah. 34 years of previous work is when we start to lose power. So the, the first and foremost, that starts with mindset and it's conversations like this. Is yeah, very realistically, we could be shut down, but also very realistically, you can just turn it off. Yeah, that's a good point. And and you can turn it off and go create yourself. Yeah, go create something else. That's where I've had to come to as a as a because otherwise I'm absolutely going to be controlled by fear of man. I could build a whole company and I'll just get shut down on Facebook 
But it yeah. doesn't, but you know, and, and it could be just based around Facebook. It's like, no, you can create a whole company because yeah. you, people find value in yeah. you. And if they find value in you, they will figure out a way to get to you. And you just have to give them the option. You have to work hard enough to give them the ability to have access to you. And if more people have access to you, I mean, dude, it's, this is wild. You think about Jesus Christ and the book, the Holy Bible that, that you have marketing, baby, <laughs> you know, he can only offer that. He's the only one that, that I truly believe can offer an afterlife and all of those, those abilities, but you don't find him on Facebook very often. You don't find mm-hmm. him on, but you can get that information. That information is available because the value is there. If there wasn't enough value in that, then you wouldn't go and search it out. So you've got to be able to give value no matter what. And as long as you're giving value, people will search it out. Yeah. They will find the truth in that value. So even though that Facebook is extremely dangerous, Amazon, Alibaba, all of these things are extremely dangerous. Um, I cut you off though, yeah. before you're about cut to say off. something, because I had to talk about Mark. No, no. So you go back because you were saying something really good before that. And then I brought up Mark. Uh, completely lost it. Oh, I have no, no idea. I'll find it again. You'll <laughs> yeah. have to come back on the podcast. Well, I, 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 I started a conspiracy rabbit hole. Yeah. So I apologize. But no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't worry about that. That brings up a great point because a lot of people think they look at the internet and they go, man, I'm not going to go on the internet. I, I'm, yeah. I'm scared of that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to use that to monetize my business or bring my better products to other people. I'm not going to use that because if an EM, like the world that I've grown up in, if an EMP hits, it's all gone anyways. And it's like, if an EMP hits, you don't even... You don't even fat begin to fathom what's going to actually happen. Use what you have right now in the moment. Don't let that kind of fear tell you that I'm not going to try to bring value to hundreds of thousands of millions of people because I'm worried about one little thing. I mean, I kind of grew up around hoarders. You know, I kind of, I'm not hoarders, but um, what do they call preppers? Not hoarders, but preppers. <laughs> I kind of grew up around like people that like literally based their life decision on, I'm never going to build anything on the internet. Because eventually when the world goes to crap, I want to have cattle. And it's like, if, if, if the world goes to crap, it's going to be whoever has the biggest stick or whoever has the most influence. It has nothing to do. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's the human human. We always want to go to the worst place and fear and all these places. And I'm getting really deep in philosophy, but I, I honestly personally think don't limit yourself. That's truly a fear tactic. You're being limited. If you, if you see someone that has so much power, it takes up so much sp- space in your head because they have the, the only platform that you're posting on. Uh, no, they're got, not, they're not, they are a God in a way, but they're uh-huh. not that God. Yeah. I don't know how else. I've it. got something to speak to on this actually. Okay. Let's do it. Because you're talking about fear. And I noticed this come up in me recently with all the sickness mm-hmm. that's been going on. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even really that sick this last week. Mm-hmm. My wife had COVID. Yeah. Kate was really sick. Yeah. And I could hardly work because I was so crippled by fear of myself getting it because it was so bad. Yeah. As well as the other things of just life, like January is off to a crazy bad start for us and our business because everyone else is scared mm-hmm. of what the sickness is, S&P's down, uh-huh. the economy inflation might be taking stuff. a turn. Yeah. Are, we, are we even printing digital money anymore? Are yeah. we printing bank account numbers? Yeah. That's just, you know, is, you know and stuff like that. And that's what's occupied my mind. And I got to tell you, my productivity has been way down. And so you almost got to look at yourself a little bit Mm -hmm. and say, what am I scared of Mm -hmm. right now? And how do I offer that up? Yeah. And I've really been getting back into my Bible Mm -hmm. and saying, all right, God, I don't think this is something I really have much control in. Yep. 
So how do I offer up this this fear and anxiety so that I can get to be the person that you made me to be? Yep. Because that's the only thing that really matters. Because if we all die because of uh, a bomb, yeah, then that's what you lived out was your purpose. Yeah. And that could be for 30 more minutes or... We could figure out a way to live 300 more years. Dude, I with- was having, oh, did I cut you off? No, that's, that's yeah, that's it. Um, I was having this thought this morning. You've got you've to really hate life if you don't want it to continue after life. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was super depressed, I really didn't, wasn't that scared of death. Um, I also wasn't that scared of death when I, when I thought about uh, just my life in general. Um, because I felt like I hadn't. I didn't think I was going to amount to much the last three, four years when I'm driving truck and I've given myself plenty of time off. I have the resources to start something, to do something. Mm. I have the ability to do that and I haven't done it. So death seems like a nice nap. And, um, and now that I'm loving life, death scares the crap out of me. And, uh, I kind of go back and forth between that because I, I go, man, what happens after what's the, what's the thing? And, I think it's a really tough place to be in if that depression and fear is overtaking your life because it's it's easy to fall into, well, there's no point. There's no, you know, you're a nihilist in a way. Mm-hmm. There's no point in doing anything if I can't overcome myself. And then once I overcome myself, then what is there to overcome? Especially once myself is gone, what do I do then? And I think about that, and that has given me so much uh, clarity. And it sounds wild, but it gives me so much more clarity that I have to do what I'm doing right now. I have to be buying real estate. I have to be helping other people do real estate. I have to figure out how to get this podcast going. I have to do these things and it can all be taken away and shut down at any minute. Um, ad revenues are way in the tank. A ton of YouTube guys right now are starting to talk about no companies are paying for ad spaces because there's so much content out there and they're seeing less and less effective. Like the golden age already of ads is probably going to be in the tank here soon. It is. This company might, this podcast might never make enough money that I'll actually get paid for it. Because there's so much other content out there right But here's now. what my mentor told me about this, too. And I want to tell you yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. Because I was telling him about this. I go, man, what do you think about this podcast at the end of the show uh, of, of the one I started? Uh-huh. And he goes, dude, you realize that there's actually few people that are doing it consistently? Yeah, yeah. Sure, there's that the craze of the TikTok people. And you know who those people are mm-hmm. because they post consistently. Mm-hmm. But it's all about uh, some form of consistency. Because he goes... You check the podcast world and he has these, he, he's, you know, he's got a big podcast. So he looks at all this data in yeah. the podcasting world and he goes, you realize they always take a huge up, upswing, then back down and then they get depressed yep. or whatever yep. and they quit. And yeah. it's, it's, it's all of them. Yep. So there's the big ones we all listen to. I mean, we got the Rogans and I love Ryan Moran's podcast and people like that. And they post all the time, but they've never quit. Yeah. It's always pumping out, even if they're depressed. Yep. And I love that. Yep. Because that you even get to hear even deeper into their life a little bit. But Excellent. I just wanted to encourage you in that too, because I know that it would be hard because at our stage, it feels like there's a long way to go. Long ways. That same guy that taught me that cold email stuff, he always said, if, you, if you're trying to get up somewhere really high and you're looking down and you're thinking that's really high up there, the people who got there didn't climb up a ladder and think mm-hmm. I need to get up there. They slowly put steps in to mm-hmm. where you look down and you're like, I just climbed three steps. Yep. So the steps are actually below you. Mm-hmm. instead of climbing up because climbing up if you look up that can get really scary yeah. that's a long ways a to long go ways. rather than just what's underneath of me what's underneath of me and making momentum on that but yeah. man yeah i think you've got a huge shot at making something special here and I, for people listening too if you're watching it to this point in the podcast <laughs> you also find this show a little bit special and i think it's cool to be a part of so i appreciate you 
having me on and oh, yeah. involving me outside of it too. Oh no, no, yeah. dude. It's, it's, this is, this is honestly what I've always asked for is someone like Kyle, someone like you that actually wants to come along and something that I've always wanted to, to do. And I, that was just me figuring out what I like to do. And maybe a couple people around me being like, we like you doing that too, Drew. <laughs> you yeah. know? And it's not just cause I'm, I'm, uh, I'm helping them necessarily, you know, it's not that I, I'm just a value to them in the way that of what I can perform and produce, but just because I genuinely wanted, always wanted good friends around what I'm capable of. But all of that aside, I, I think honestly the fear thing and, and all of that stuff, it's, you've got to overcome fear. You have to, mm. you have to, it could, it could stop at any minute. It could be over at any minute and you have to figure out a way to love life so much that you want it to go on forever. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you find that, and I'm not saying that you can't find that a lot of people find that in the worst places. Yeah. I mean, they're depressed. They've lost a loved one. They've lost an appendage. They've lost quality of life because they're maybe even stuck in a chair, paraplegic style. Like you got to be in some, some tough places sometimes and other people's minds are tougher than, you know, so that it takes even more to be, to be in put in that place. Yeah. But when you get in that place and you find out this is no way I want to live, it doesn't matter what happens in the world. You have to, you're going to find something that you enjoy that, you know, that you can, you can walk away from if it doesn't make you any money, if it doesn't do anything um, to the world's necessary value, but you will, you will find purpose in that. I, that sounds so empty and so cliche and so vague and all of that stuff, but it's truly, it's gotta be something that it's like, and I feel like I found it. I feel like I found it, but it's gotta be something that makes you look away from the fear. You look away from, don't let that control your life. Don't let it mortgage at the end of the month. That sounds stupid. You should, you should try to figure out how to make good on your obligations that you've, you know, responsibilities that you've assigned yourself to. Um, and you should pay your pay your bills, but I'm I'm saying though that it's that fear should be something that motivates you in some way. Like I'm I no matter what happens, I'm still gonna do it. One step in front of the other. Yeah. And you and I. It's gotta be small. It's not yeah. gonna be big either. It's not That's gonna be what I'm big. Saying. It's gonna be getting up four o'clock in the morning because you have a crazy thought. Yes. And, and it just you motivates you to something. get up. And it's just you. For me, it's just hitting the record button. And my first couple episodes suck. No, they're not but, bad. But it's yeah. Well, here's the thing though, and and you and I, I know relate on this because when I imagine putting out my first like big YouTube video, where I finish it, it's gonna be better than Iraq and B as a combined. Yeah. But the truth is, it's all about just starting. Yeah. Yeah. And that crippling fear of imagining an explosion of colors mm-hmm. when you finally take a step and do the thing that you know you want to do, and that doesn't happen. Yeah. Because the first couple episodes, you must have been like. I'm just a guy talking to myself in a room right now. Oh yeah, it was straight up therapy <laughs> sessions. Yeah. It was literally like, okay, so I think I talk about this now, and I got to make it somehow valuable to somebody else. And I should probably talk a little bit about, you know, my life is kind of like I just know I want to. I just need to do this, so I'm just gonna. And it was, you know, there's no energy, there's no excitement. Honestly, the best thing that happened to me was every time I took a break or every time I fell away from it, I felt this desire that I had to go and do it again. And mm. at first, it was a little bit of like, hey, I promised people I was going to do this. But after this last time where I didn't do anything for two weeks, beginning of January, I got sick, didn't want to do anything. We recorded Luke's podcast. and I didn't touch anything. I just fell into, all right, I got to figure out how to make my mortgage payment next month or my rent yep. payment next month. I got to do real estate. Okay, I got to find, oh, and then I found a real estate deal and that sucked me away. But... And I didn't even want to talk to Luke for a couple of days because I felt so guilty about not putting his podcast out. And Kyle had even done the audio for me. Like it was the easiest podcast for me to put out. We had like 
the best template put it together. Like it's, it's like in the way that we're editing, it's so much less time. I literally just had to cut it together and put it out. And it, and I didn't do it for two weeks. And it was because, uh, I was, I was like, it, it didn't sound fun to me. It didn't playing Minecraft while I was sick or watching breaking bad for the 10th time was better. It was so much better in some of those regards when I did have free time. And, uh, I naturally the other day had an inkling like, I'm not going to go to bed till I finish this. And it was one o'clock in the morning. I put that post out and I got up the next day and I thought I can do this. This is something that's totally capable. I'm totally capable of doing. It's probably the easiest thing in the world for me to do. And even then I choose cheap dopamine over it, but I have a natural inkling and I want this. And this is really the true desire. As many as the best real estate deals I'll ever do. I'm going to make a decent money in that. Um, I'm going to do very well in, in a lot of that stuff. It's going to try to pull me away, especially when I start making a quarter million a year. It's going to start trying to pull me away. But this podcast and this, I just know. Yeah, I can see it in I your eyes that you're committing. I can, I can just, see that you're committing. Yeah, it's it's something that eventually I know that it's going to take time to build it up to where I just want to do it every day and I love it and I won't do anything else, even if I'm depressed or whatever. I don't know if that'll actually ever come. I don't know if it will or not, but I know, though, that I over time I will build up this addiction to this like i've had addictions to other things but mm. this is for once in my life the as long thing. as i as long as i keep my morals right my ethics right i keep looking up to the big guy and asking hey is this what i gotta do but uh yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a thing it's gonna be something that really excites me and i don't i don't think a million subscribers at the end of the year is out of the question i don't think that yeah. monetizing the next two months despite ad revenues being down is out of the question i think that there's above all else this is probably my best shot and if it doesn't work, that's fine. Yeah. But well, I here's like what it. I want I you like to do. Enough. Here's what I want. And this is what, this is what I'm doing too. Yeah. Uh, and I do want, I, it, it, you can, you can adopt this or not, but looking at subscribers or money made, because th- my goal going into January was I want to take our current company that went from zero to hundreds of thousands. I want to take it to a million mm-hmm. in a year, mm-hmm. seven figures. Mm-hmm. What are you doing right now a month? Can you say it? Uh, no, I can't. Yeah. I can't. But all I'll say is it's hundreds okay. uh, in, in a year. So it's 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 not just barely crossing. It's it's up there. Even profits in the hundreds, hundreds of thousands is six. And figures. you started this what seven eight months ago? No, ago? no, not quite. Right, I mean, it was it was getting rolling was... August of twenty twenty. Okay, yeah. so really, we've seen one full revenue cycle. Yeah, and this is just cold email marketing, not just, but it's essentially yeah, yeah, essentially, it's it's marketing, and we'll get into that too. But looking at the vanity metrics that we set for ourselves of hey, I want to, I'm going to make a million dollars this year. Yeah is not actually that great of a place to come from because it puts expectations on things that are going to pull away from my true mission. Yeah. Which is to serve these people and to find something that really works for them. Yeah. Because if I just put my energy there and I say, I want to have 22 clients that are absolutely so thrilled with working with Reese Queen, Mm -hmm. then I want to have another 45 that could go, ah, it was pretty good. I recommend it. If you ask me about it, it's good. And then I want to have another X, Y, Z that, that say this, or this amount of calls or this amount of email, something I can control. I actually, that's like another almost not really a vanity metric, but the that's other one, true. that one's hard. I can't actually control what people think, but that should be the goal. I should be thinking about that because that'll actually get us to a million yeah. pretty easily Yeah. versus I'm just going to make a million. I got to reverse engineer what I'm currently doing because that's not, we got to change to go to, to scale. We're like a reptile. Yeah. We, we were a, an infant that went to something bigger and right now all of our systems are broken because- we just had a crazy year and now we've scaled out of that when it's like we lose that skin and we got to go make a new one and cr- even figure out what color we want it to be. 
and stuff like that and change the structure of it completely to be more valuable for our customers and to charge double and triple what we're charging now and stuff like that. Yeah. So for you saying, okay, a hundred, because we already talked about this at the beginning we of, did. of January. You asked we me, both had goals. You asked me who, if you could bring anybody on in the end of the year, yeah. who could it be? And I said, Denzel Washington. And you also said a million. And we yeah. both said, I said a why not? Subscribers. Why, why not? not? We both said, yeah. Yep. Exactly. So but not? that, to me, the energy around that metric, at least for me, feels like it's almost like you. if you don't get there, you're, you're pushing, you're pushing, you're pushing. But if it feels good to you, then go for it. Yeah. But part of me would just say, hey, can I get out that one episode a week? I know you're going for two. Yeah. I heard it on the last yep. episode. Yep. But if, can you absolutely never miss a week? I know, dude, we were all, we were, everyone got sick. That's so true. That's hard. Yeah. But if you can just say, I'm going to, at the end I of this year, there's going to be at least 65 episodes and I've done what I can do. And every one of them is as good as possible. We put the right audio into it. We got the right guests on. It'll all come to you, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think it will too. And I, I am, I, I get super optimistic and that's just my old characters. I'm just like, I'm going to do this no yeah. matter what. But I, I also know though that after my last two weeks, I got down and I got guilty, but I had to give. I had to like uh, give myself some slack. I had to be like, look, as long as you actually do it through, that's just the matter right now. It's just getting back to it. Like uh, being able to go through this little cycle of sickness, depression, I'm totally healthy now. Why am I not posting a podcast? And then getting back to it. Yeah. Um, And you learning how to do that in a faster span, perfecting that. Because now it's going to happen in a week and a half. And now it's going to happen in in four days. Yeah. You have to figure out how to process it, work through it, not let you know take take control of every thought let, not let those emotions rule over you uh and that's that's me building a muscle that's a muscle of me being able to put that stuff down and going going for some consistency uh because i think that there's there's, there's this real thing called resistance in the enemy you read about it in uh, yeah. Love of art uh, yeah I'm but, very familiar. Um, yeah Stephen pressfield and he did a fantastic job on it but it's it's this resistance this fear it's always going to try to stop you but yeah, I I <clears throat> I love talking to you, Reese, because you are one of the first guys that um, really believed in me, and I mean really believed in me when it came to Drew. You got to get an audience somehow, Drew. You've got to figure out. You could be like Iraq. You could be like be a hazard. You guys can look these guys up. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to try. Are, to okay, him. well we've talked about him too many times. So yeah, be a hazard for some reason for both of us. I well, think it's because he's, he's a Christian. He's Christian, but the guy is so cool. Yeah, he's this 19 year old kid. Yep. And he's actually, he's an immigrant, but you would never he's know. That because he's like 21, isn't he? Is he not? I think he's in his young, dude, he's 20. But he's got to be 20 now because yeah. I started following when he's like seven. Yeah, yeah. But this guy, he's so open about it all because there are so many gurus. I follow a lot of people. I actually unfollowed a lot of people. Yeah. All the people I do like, though, Alex Ramosi. Okay. He's got a book called $100 Million Offers. He's all over Instagram. You'll recognize him. Really big jacked guy. He was did a lot in the gym space and now he's in the marketing world. Beheza, super open book. Mm-hmm. You the the questions that he answers and and stuff and he'll he'll go into his YouTube channel and be like, hey guys, just did a million last year here in these ads and then I bought this house and then I did this and the way that he does it where it's also entertaining. Yeah, are you serious? You're like, wow, this guy is very unique in his approach and that to and the reason I showed or no, we'd found him together. I think I told you who that other guy was. Which to me, Eric, I don't want to be that because that's like a Mr. Beast vibe. Yeah, and that's I don't not see my a whole vibe. lot of value watching those challenges. It's it's motivating. It's a motivation. It's a different type of motivation, like Gary Vee motivation, because it's like, oh, wow, I went and did this crazy thing. But I don't know if no. it's a how. It's no, not a how it's to. Not. You don't even feel that? Yeah. No, no, it is. No, yeah. I'm agreeing. I'm saying yeah. it's not motivational. Yeah. The way that that Beheza does it is it almost empowers you to say, I actually should start a 
Com- a dropshipping company. I should company. try something. I should do something. And I should just this record kid yeah. is literally doing, like a kid, is open and very nonchalant about, here's a few million dollars I make in a year, and it's yep. all, half of it goes to California, because I live in California and all this, yep. and just super down to earth, somebody you'd want to actually hang out with, versus that whole guru approach, which yeah. is, makes me just want to throw up when I see that stuff now. Well, he shows you how he tries things. And yeah, he comes and at things I failed. in such an honest way. Oh, yeah, and multiple yeah. times he's failed. I bought into that. I bought into that. The, uh, the fluff coin. The crypto. Yeah. Yeah. So you've already explained who he is, actually. To and the I people. love that. I did a couple times, and I, I, but I haven't gone into depth because yeah. I, I haven't found anybody else that has near the excitement for him as you and I. But um, yeah. Well, there's he, a video where he's in his Tesla and he's yeah. driving around, and kid makes so much passive income. He goes, "I've heard you can make a ton of money by painting the driveway squares onto houses." <laughs> so this kid takes like four days. <laughs> And drives around in his Tesla, he parks it, like, on another street, because he doesn't want people to know that he's actually probably, like, ten times more wealthy than them. Oh, yeah. Because they're just normal little houses he went yeah. to, and they're like, oh, no. Or, like, everyone told him no. Like, like get out of here, and all this stuff, and okay. And then he goes on to the next one, and taking just a beating out there, being yeah. the door-to-door rejection. guy. Tons of rejection for them. In, in his face, dude. Yeah. Not like, behind a screen. No, not Oh, no, no, not too good to this. And then the moving company one, he took a yeah. whole week off and was just... Like move someone's furniture for a, to try to show that you can make eight hundred bucks. Yeah, and it's just like wow, that's that's cool. You that's know? the kind of stuff we need, and that's why it gave me permission to start this podcast. Is look, everyone's trying to figure it out. If they're telling you that they're not figuring it out, they're lying to you. Like yeah. they don't really know. And you said the same thing when when you're working over in Virginia. Like all oh, these guys, yeah, they might be a little bit more polished. They can put a little better image out there. But I think honesty, transparency. I think I think that stuff in this world is going to take you way farther yeah and being honest when you've when you've tried and failed and tried and failed that's the number one thing that i've been i've not done anything very crazy in my life it's all extraordinary it's ordinary things that i've tried very quickly very rapidly and i felt because i'm such an emotional human being hate saying it but i am but uh people love the transparency that's Mm -hmm. the feedback i get i get messages that are so crazy in depth from parents of kids that i went to school with and uh <laughs> it's like we just love your transparency and how honest you are about the things that you struggle with are you talking about this podcast this podcast oh wow so i'm talking about wow. dude i'm talking about this this is real life case study right here right now what i'm dealing with and and um and i'm like that right there is a market that people it is a terrifying market to get into but transparency is real like i can't but real transparency because real transparency. go on linkedin and yeah. you're gonna find these really no, long no yeah. yeah real transparency i mean i'm talking about struggling with addiction struggling with marriage the things that yeah. you have to figure out in your core before you can ever even truly attempt with what we're trying to do you know you you yeah. have to figure out how to at least process that that's a problem and either find something that's healthier to take up that space or or you have to just confront that thing head on before you'll ever find the, the one thing that's really what's good for you and made for you and meant for you that you can actually maintain and do over time. And I think that those are the things that we, if we have all this information, why don't we get the real information of what your inside, how your, 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 your headspace actually works. Everyone wants to talk about mental health. Everyone wants to talk about that stuff. Everyone wants to have a safe space for it. But if you don't, if you don't truly become accountable for your being and know that there's some things you can handle, there's some things you can't handle and there's some things that you struggle with, and you're not going to help anybody else if you are giving them information that doesn't work for yourself. So you've got to be honest about your case study. It's, and that's just as logically as you can get about it. Like, 
I don't know. I could go all day on that stuff. I get I get super into it because it's it's the only thing that's let me do what I'm doing now. Yeah. Is is I had to confront like a lot of people that are broken. Everyone else is broken. I'm broken. I'm not as broken as some people. But then again, they might look at me and say, well, I'm not as broken as that guy. So we're all in it. And it's so cliche. All of this crap is so cliche, but (laughs) it is. But it's the truth. And that's why it's cliche is because truth is staring you in the eyeballs every day. You see it all the time in little snippets of different posts. But it's it's. Yeah, it's it's something that you've got to be intentional about finding a hundred percent and and then being able to share it with others when you do find it and you're 10 people out of your friend out of your 500 people that you know on facebook are actually going to relate but those are the 10 people that it might actually change your life 500 people that's fine that's what exactly what you talk about it's like finding that core market well we've both heard the metric you have a thousand true followers that buy every piece of merch or whatever you put out there because they you have done something in their life that someone else isn't able to do, you will thrive. You will never, ever need money again, ever. Because even though you're not even telling them how to make money, just your content has helped them realize something about themselves to be able to make a better life for themselves in their own way. They're going to support you forever. A hundred percent. Wild thing. Well, and this is a new rule that I've adopted, which is that your value and self-worth Mm-hmm. And your knowledge, and your mm-hmm. experiences are usually the right person, 10 times more valuable than you realize. Yeah. So it's, it's weird. And I learned this too. And this kind of goes back into my story about selling Brandyak because the company that I was working on and building, I listed it on a website called Flippa, which I had tracked a lot of sales through. And I said, I don't know what this thing is worth. To me, it's not worth anything because it's, me and freelancers. I don't have any employees. Yeah. All 1099. You have a client list, contracts, client yeah. contracts? Okay. Has some contracts, but it, everything's month to month yeah. in the agency world these days. Unless you're doing like, you know, longer term stuff where it's not marketing. Mm-hmm. You're doing actual infrastructure and stuff like that. But for marketing and those kinds of things, unless we build a website and charge you monthly, which we would do. But a lot of it was existing clients that just really loved me mm-hmm. and, and me doing their stuff and i'd talk to them but then our whole team would go to go to work on it so i thought you know i'll try selling it so i listed it and didn't hear anything for a long time and sells until some gal was she messaged me and said i want it i want your company and i said are you sure <laughs> <laughs> you know what yeah. it is because i listed it for a pretty decent price and she goes yeah i've been looking for an agency six figures no oh. under six um and not a life changing amount of money either. Yeah. Cause yeah, not even, not even brand new diesel pickup now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so expensive. Anyways, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I bought a pickup. <laughs> it does change my life. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's just interesting to see what people find valuable and, and it turns out she's still running it and doing yeah. stuff with it. But, and the same thing too. So now we have a buddy. I told you about this on the phone. Mm-hmm. Graphic designer straight out of college. Uh, he's, really come under my wing because that's what i love to do as well and so he started working in our office started training him on just things hey i'm doing this project whatever can i get your help on this whatever did a lot of apps and stuff with them and because i would get random work stuff it's like my thing now i just do random stuff i find exciting but anyways taught him some stuff but he taught himself a lot he just did a lot of internet research but just went to rocky he starts i got him a cold email campaign set up where he got talking to this crypto company it's very well funded 
is they're, they do financing. So you can go borrow $100,000 worth of Bitcoin for 10%. Yeah. It's a big thing right now, and you can stake it on there and stuff like that. But they actually manage it. They're a finance company. There's a lot of them. So I can say, which I'm not going to drop the name of it because he told me not to. But next thing you know, he does 40 hours of freelancing with these people, and they hire him, and they go, we want to bring you on full time. Well, how much? I mean, I can't say exactly how much. It's in the six figures. <laughs> Jeez. And he took it. Yeah. And now he's working, and they only work him like three hours a day. <laughs> and I'm like, that Reese, sounds you're, awesome. You're like, dude, give me a cut yeah. of that, dude. You didn't, you weren't gonna get that. Yeah. In fact, I met the guy. I met the guy who brought him on, and I wanted him on my podcast. Yeah. Because I said, this is crazy. It was some guy that worked at Adobe and yeah. crazy stuff. Big stuff. Big stuff. Yeah. And to them, this guy is a designer. All he does is design websites and yeah. marketing material and just designer. He has, he still does stuff, but it's hundreds of thousands of dollars and he makes half a million on salary. That's why bringing Isaac on or the guy on. <laughs> Kyle, can you get rid of that later? <laughs> was, was, he said, oh, you'll do it for that. Wow. That's, you should really learn to up your prices, son. <laughs> you know, and so it's insane what people, what people think is what they think is valuable. Yes. I, dude, I never thought talking was finding it. Yeah. Because, You'll eventually find the audience that likes you so much that they'll you'll they'll you'll have a thousand of them, which is mm-hmm. the goal. Mm-hmm. There's a thousand true fans. It actually grows from there. It's grassroots at that point. Yeah. Now, for him, for this gentleman, uh, we we tried so many different things. He failed at two cold email campaigns. Didn't work. Didn't give him anything. The third one was super highly relational. Mm-hmm. Hey, I just noticed that you do this thing. I would just love to have a conversation, and if I can help you, I will, and I'll even do it for free or something like that. I don't think he said for free, but like very generously trying to create a relationship and that worked really well for him. And then half the clients took advantage of him. Yeah. So it's not about giving those people the opinion either because it's really only 1% of the people that are going to say, if you come work for us for six figures, that'll be, we'll, we'll be getting a steal from you, man. Versus everyone else that said, Oh, you just did it for 200 bucks. I need my money back. This, this is, this isn't what I wanted, you know? And that happened yeah. and stuff to him at the same time. So you've also got to realize that you can't give people that, that leverage either because he yeah. thought he was like not doing good yeah yo man i just how do you how do you do i just made like a thousand bucks this month and then his business blew up too at the same time yeah because we started finding his people and then it just grew and i think he's doing uh at least five figures for, before he he's moving on to the job so yeah it's crazy what happens that is insane and it's just just goes to show like you you gotta actually reach though for the stars and be okay with someone valuing you way more than what you think you're valued at and that's why money isn't really necessary, uh, necessarily a good metric to measure yourself by because it'll ebb and flow and um, you're going to have to change with the times to make sure that, that you stay, you know, you have to still change yourself a little bit to be able to make sure that you stay up with it and in a space that that's possible. But dude, money is so subjective nowadays. It's so subjective. I mean, you're still going to pay 40 bucks for an oil change, Yeah, but, uh, but it's, it's subjective as to where what it's worth to go on to or whatever, but man, we're getting long. I know. What it's are we at? It's an hour and 12 minutes right now. Yeah. Hour 12. Hour 12. So in the previous one. So we've got one, another two hours? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had, the previous one was an hour. I think we're right at 56 minutes or something. Okay. Yeah, we better. And my pee clock is popping off. Oh, I man. Go to the bathroom again. <laughs> All right, man. I but, get it. Hey, if people are still listening at this point. I feel like, 
you know. Just all long haul truck drivers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's my buddy who's out there driving hauling cattle right now. Yeah. Wow, man, this has been fantastic. I is there anything else that you want to cover? You're just gonna have to come back. I have to come back. Yeah. I I can just tell it where you can talk for a long time, super enthusiastically, and we could go for a while. But I would rather come back and we'll get fresh on it and figure out what else we can go to cover because. We already dedicate ourselves to a grind day now. We got to go and work on this. Yeah, we're actually going to go go work downtown at our uh, office. At your office. Yeah, so that's going to go be fun. The, the one thing I'll say. Is. One thing I'll say. I'm not going to promote meeting pair or anything on here. Feel free to check it out if you want to. If you're especially if you're an agency, I mean, we might be able to help. Uh, but one thing that I am working on personally, and I'm very open about it, is so I built a website for Jake Paul. Oh yeah, dude. We yeah we even touched like the people that you've actually worked with. I don't think we need to validate you. No, it's and not I don't, it's reason, not about validating. Actually, what but, I want it to be is a experiment. Yeah. Because what? I, okay, so I built it, and if you'll notice, if you follow Jake on Instagram, he's talking a lot about it right now. It's called Boxing Bullies. Okay. I built the whole design for it. Now, with that in mind, if you go to boxingbullies.com, I think the developers botched it. It looks bad to me. It's not good on mobile. I so I'm actually coming back to their team directly to Jake's team. I'm pitching an app, a fitness app for boxing. Okay. That involves crypto. Okay. And a redesign of that flow. Sounds, it's, it's right up Jake Paul's alley. You I know. Sold, bro. He's so big into NFTs. But it's it, I don't have direct access to Jake. Okay. But I do have direct access to his team. And it's a pretty funny story how that project worked out. One night I was supposed to, because I overthought this project. Okay. Yeah. By a ton. And I well, just want to tell the story. You will. You will. Yeah. You'll what? Over, you'll over, you'll oh, overthink it when it's someone yeah. that big. Yeah. It was so random how I got it through this connection and- I just sat on it for a few weeks, and I just was like, what do I even do? And then, you know, a week later, hey, can we see you have a mock-up or whatever? And, yeah, let me get it to you by by Friday night, you know, the end of the, end of the week. And so I kind of overthought it. <laughs> I'm, out at, I'm out with Kate at the Brimrock Mall, and I get an email at 5.30 on Friday night. Hey, we're all hanging out. Jake's here. We got the big screen up. Can you go ahead and just send over that mock-up link? <laughs> we're in Miami, and this is two weeks before his fight. <laughs> and I'm eating a churro. And I haven't really started. <laughs> and so, at the mall, and uh, I go, oh, Kate's like, what is wrong? I go, I kind of overthought this whole Jake Paul thing. I need to go work on it right now. Yeah. And so I emailed him, and I'm like, okay, give me four hours if you guys are going to be hanging out tonight <laughs> a little bit at, at Jake's house in Miami, and I'll get it to you, and you can throw it up on the big screen and see what he thinks. So I went home. What? And I grinded so hard. Yeah. And all the ideas that I'd been thinking about and not actually doing anything with just came to life, put it all in a mock-up link using Adobe XD, sent it to Jake's team. I see that because it's it's kind of like Figma or uh, uh, a good comparison would be uh, Google Drive where you can see other people in there. Yeah. I see a bunch of people pop in. I get one comment on it and it was under Jake's name. It said dope. And that was it. That was at like 1030 at night. Have you heard back? What's going on? Dude. Things are happening? Okay. Or what? Here's And here's another thing, because I'll have to update this if I come back. Yeah. Jake's really likes this this thing. And there's a lot of video. If you go to Jake's YouTube, you'll find a lot of Boxing Bullies content. He went out and he did a thing in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. a real Boxing Bullies event. Mm-hmm. And then after the Tyron Woodley fight too, mm-hmm. he uh, had a real in-life fundraiser that raised $3 million for it. Wow. The website's at half a million in fundraising. Because I built a little ticker in there at the top that shows how much funding it got through Stripe. And uh, basically, he's prioritizing it as a project. But guess what? I wrote all the copy for that, and they never changed it. Oh, boy. <laughs> so it just goes to show, like, 
that's what that's why I tell people about this. Oh yeah, I worked with Jake or whatever, but I don't actually like know how you know you and I obviously if you listen to this episode, people like you and me were pretty deep on missions and things. I basically wrote all their like, kind of mission stuff, what we are, what we do, and they just kind of waved it and were like, awesome. So they don't really care that much. And I don't even know what it does. It's just, I think it's a training camp now and then or something. But it goes to show that celebrities out there, especially ones like that, that might be into crypto, that might be into like having their own thing or program, which they've, the, the Paul brothers have made a business program. Be very cautious. Just because they have a big name doesn't mean that they're actually that reputable. Just because or I they're watched, filtering, or that they're filtering the content that they get to put yeah. out to others. Because, yeah. like, it was the first project that I got paid good dollars to do, mm. where there was no revisions. Yeah, and that's just weird to me. I almost, I was like, "Are you sure?" Yeah, yeah, they liked it. He said dope on it and stuff, and so it's weird to think that. But I don't know why that is necessarily. I mean, maybe it was just good copy. I don't know. Well, I think here. Hold on. Okay. Let me let me throw my my two cents on this, and then we can wrap it up. Um, but I think Jake has learned by failing, and he okay. would rather throw something out there and test it and see how other people react than necessarily changing things to the way that he thinks is going to work. Yeah. Like he looks at it, he knows what the people like. There's a good possibility, dude. Jake Paul, Logan Paul, David Dobrik, these guys. They didn't go out and build a social media platform, but they know what people like. Yeah. And 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 so much of what Jake does, if his name's on it, dude, people are going to eat that up. And so he just has to make sure that it's 70% there or 80% there, <laughs> yeah. and then he'll throw it up and he'll do it. And I think also, though, another point to this is you've done this a ton. One yeah. night when we were hanging out um, – you showed mentoring. me, yeah, yeah. We 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 had a little sleep over there. Brad, <laughs> no, he did. You showed me. Fun. You opened up your numbers and everything, and you showed me all of your stuff on your laptop. And you like had some ideas that night that you were like, "I want to mock this up." Like I just had this thought uh, the other day. I might stay up a couple hours later, and uh, I went to bed. I think, and I woke up, and you were still working on stuff. It's like two o'clock in the morning, and you had fabbed up a full website that looked like tomorrow a Fortune 500 company is going to pick that up and rep it somewhere. And I was just like, what? And I, I realized at that point that you're a person of action. You don't just talk about it or I just talk about things. Well, but did I but do anything with that mock-up? You didn't do anything with the mock-up, See, but you the, made the yeah. mock-up. And the mock-up is worth the money. The mock-up is like, yeah, it would have taken me freaking three weeks to go find a development crew, go test two or three development crew, and then those guys would take three weeks just to put together the, the, yeah. the thing together. And do you think Jake Paul, like... Has the time for that? No. no. He's like, we're also stuck in this hourly mentality that it's like, well, if I don't work enough hours, I'm not going to get paid for this thing. Yeah. But yeah, you, you yeah. did it and, and put it together, copyrighted all this stuff. And, in and, four hours, and by the four way. four hours. Which is crazy because, yeah, and that's a whole nother thing. But yeah, but, but that's the point, though, is, is like, it was dope. It was, it was just a four-letter word, dope. Yeah. Or, you know, it, it's like. The, the guy, like, he knows talent when he sees it, and he knows when a product's good enough to get out there. And everyone else and their dog thinks, well, it's got to be perfect. It's got to be good. It's got to be... No, you said it in my first two episodes. No, I think they're junk. But you're like, nah, that worked. It was yeah. good enough. Yeah, that's true. Dope. You know, yeah. and it, it, that's what you've got to think is dope. And those are the people that you really want to work with. Because yeah. they're the ones that are just going to be like, 
yeah, I'm not that worried about it failing. And if it does, we'll change it. I mean, these guys have gone through what people think is scam after scam after scam. Yeah. And I'm a nice guy, so I'm going to go ahead and give them the benefit of the doubt and say, no, I think they're trying something. Yes. Um, and so where I'm going with Jake now, yeah, because yeah. it's out there, I see him putting the priority on the project. Yeah. Because he literally, I don't know, he had a post a few days ago, he's with his wife, it's a pretty... Pretty I didn't absurd. Even know he was married, dude. Yeah, that girl he's always with. They're married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that girl. Always with. But you wouldn't know from the pictures <laughs> yeah. of them. They look. It looks like his side person that he would hang out with. Because she's. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Okay. All right, well. I don't. I don't know how. How to you know side say chick. that? Yeah, yeah. Side, it's a side chick. It but looks like that. But they, they're all married. respect because we're probably gonna be hanging out with Jake Paul we're very actually are. soon. So hey, great gal. Yeah. <laughs> so like uh, we. we well, I don't know. I don't know him. That's the other the thing. I don't know him. Yeah, we're making light of the situation. Yeah, I don't know him, but so I see him doing this stuff with the with the sh- with the with that whole program, which is great. Maybe he's got a plan. I don't understand what it does for kids, but here's what I want to do with it, and I'm gonna pitch this to his team: is I want to have that app that's well built. Because if his name goes on it as a fitness app that competes with Nike Run Club yeah. and these fitness apps and Peloton yeah. and these home workout stuff that connects to your Apple Watch and you get points that can be traded into crypto mm-hmm. and it's a game mm-hmm. and it's got Jake's name on it, sign it a billion dollar check. I think that's worth a lot of money. I think it's going to be worth a lot of money because you find value in it and you actually care enough to go back and try to fix it. Yeah. And I think that he's going to see that. And And that's the thing is you don't want to look like a scam to him so if you decide to do that you have to follow it through and through and be like all right i got meeting parent that stuff's cool and that's going on you got to take care of your team you got to take care of those people but if you're going to actually follow that up jake will probably give you opportunities that you've never ever seen coming in your life i i've dreamed it yeah in fact i met jake in a dream once and you creep dude dude it's Stalker, weird dude. no but i literally handed my business card and i said hey i built your boxing blaze website yeah he's like i he he didn't know like yeah uh you know yeah. And 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 I was like, no, no, I really think I can do something here. And he went for it in the in this in this idea I had. And he was like, heck yeah. And it just turned into he, he gave me like six other things to do too. A lot of those guys they do that though. They just go to their audience and they go, Hey, who actually likes this brand enough to actually edit my videos and mm-hmm. know no you guys watch it so you know what we need. Yeah. You know, like there, no one ever like in the future, you're only gonna work for people that you like. You're not gonna go work for a company because you like the infrastructure. Like and they're only going to hire you if you've seen the last 10 whatever products. Like you, I think it now we're starting to find out that just people wanting to do something is worth way more money than people being trained to do something. Mm. Them necessarily being trained doesn't mean anything. If they actually like your product so much that they're willing to give a little bit of value to you, you can find any job you want. I mean, you, you can hit up any YouTuber you want, and and if you watch all of their videos, give their time to do that, and then send them some kind of just uh information in the oh. in the comment that's just like hey uh i bet people are clicking off within 10 minutes because you didn't actually get the message like you typically get out and if they see that on every like for five videos even and they're, they're noticing it they're reading it and they're like yep this kid's spot on with our analytics he knows exactly what's going on clearly he needs to come on the team it yes. just happened for graham stefan he just did that yes He's financer he hired one of the guys, one of his guys, just like that, and then they're even hiring a kid that's been commenting in the in the um, in the comments and saying, "Yeah, this thumbnail didn't work. I bet you only got twenty percent, or I bet it only got." And he's guessing it, and he's guessing it right, right. every time. He's thirteen years old. Insane. Thirteen. See, that's crazy to Building me. Building thumbnails, dude. It's insane. 
Well, it's intuition. It's and, all about intuition. And that's what we do at Meeting Pair. Yeah. Because we're looking at those opportunities where, and here's what we say to all of our clients find something that you already know is happening inside their head. Yep. Because a DM that goes, hey, would you come on my podcast? And then one that goes, looked at your analytics, comma, think these three things could really help because I noticed that you're dropping off here, which you're probably noticing when you go to your main dashboard. And he's going, I, I've been thinking about that all week. Yeah. How do you know? I at least got to talk to this kid. They click on the profile. If there's good stuff about analytics and a little bit of a, a, some, a presence there, boom, hit them yeah. up Sold. and take them on. Yeah, Sold. exactly. Pre-sale. Sold. That's it. So yeah, find your talent and figure out who it helps. And don't be afraid to. It could be the simplest thing in the world. Yeah. To you, it could be like, I actually enjoy this. I just sit here and watch these videos, but because I watch these videos, I know. It could be the easiest, simplest thing in the world. Give some value to somebody and man, they will take you to the moon if they're the right person. If they, and if there's somebody you actually want to work for, they will pick you up and take you. Um, when, why not? Do why that? not? Why not? You can teach anybody anything now. If, yeah. if, if that kid only needs to learn two or three more skills and he's pretty much a paid, a paid professional because that's all everyone else does, I'd rather have the intuition. That was my take initiative dream, dude. Right. That was what take initiative was. I know. And I'm really passionate about it too. It's insane. Because there's so much talent out there. So when I much. found that kid that does the TikTok, yeah. I was up, it was two nights ago. I was up all night. Yeah. I was so pumped yeah. about this kid's talent and he's just being underutilized. So we're going to boost him to the moon by having him be the freelancer behind this brand that I, the thing I'm really good at, which is getting clients for. Yep. Dude, cold email is a weapon, dude. You know I what can't can wait I- till I can afford you, bro. Uh, you afford you for this podcast, I'll, bro. We're about to go work after this. I'll give you a lot of secrets. You'll give me the secrets. My problem is I don't I I I'm literally good at sitting in this chair and talking. Yeah. Kyle's a blessing, yeah. dude. Because if I had to run that board, I would not be near as into this into this freaking conversation with you. I like know. that means so much to me at some point. I'm gonna pay a lot of money for someone to just hit those buttons. And seriously, like that's that's because because I'm worth so much more money sitting here being interested in who you are because people can sense that. They can that yeah i'm gonna pay a lot of money sadly <laughs> no but, that's a blessing yeah to be able to pay that because it, you're it, changing somebody else's life oh, and creating yeah. a whole culture around yeah. it and that's yeah. just the whole thing with the world we live in and that never was a possibility your parents couldn't go hey i want to work for madonna <laughs> or whatever yeah. Big, yeah. whatever i don't know maybe if a few people had that option but you had to get on a plane and go there but yeah, yeah or get on a train and go there write yeah. them a letter or something yeah. i don't know or just show up at every show and say yeah which is probably how a lot of people did it you know how many groupies get hired from for bands? Probably it's insane, dude. No, I don't know, <laughs> but that's something we can talk about later on. Kyle knows a little bit about that, but um, I know groupies get hired. Like it sounds, that sounds bad, but it's it's well, it's proximity. It's proximity. It's yeah. Can't yeah, yeah. tell you how many times we thought about bringing on our other guy, who's the freelancer I was talking about earlier. I mean, there was so many opportunities. I mean, we even paid him to do some projects too. Just proximity. Oh, yep. you design design this. Yep. And then it's that. And then next thing it turns into a job or whatever. Be so be available. Yeah. Be available. Be open to the people that you want to be like mm-hmm. as far as because their advice is so valuable yeah. because everyone's got advice. Parents got advice. Grandma's got advice. Yep. But if you don't want to live a life like them, you got to pick the people you want to be around that you want to be like. And then their value just is is tremendous, which is like why I have Ryan in my ear all the time. I hope to be a guy like him someday and other other really gracious business owners and people that are kind of mindful that way. Yeah. Like, like a buzzword, but I'm yeah. going with it. Yeah, uh, I like it. All, All right. right, yeah, we do got to wrap do this. up. Let's do this. Let's, let's shut this down. <laughs> Give us it. your plugs. Do the thing. Whatever you got to do. What do you got going on? What so you got going on in your life? Let's here's my plan. I am starting a personal brand, but it's going to be off of not my real one. So it's, yeah, I think I just started the Instagram page. It's reese.c.queen. Okay. Because that's my TikTok. Okay. And I want to talk some business stuff. I keep doing these coaching calls with clients of ours. 
especially when they're not getting results and I, and the person respects me enough to listen to my opinion on stuff. Oh, I jam out on those coaching calls with them yeah. and I feel so alive. And you and I both share that Dude, why yeah. this conversation has lasted so long. Mm-hmm. So I want to coach a little more and I want to put the material that I, when I'm coaching somebody, one of our clients, I want to put that out on that Instagram page, put some business stuff, some TikToks. So that's where you'll be able to find me. Is it live yet? No. And, and so the thing is, is if you want to follow me as a person, I'm just Reese dot queen. And that's just like mostly pictures of my wife because she's absolutely gorgeous. So I put her all over my Instagram. Out on makes there. me okay. makes me feel <laughs> now nah, nah, makes me feel a lot better. You know, I'm just, just put some beautiful people in there. It's her walking, yeah. her hand back, yeah. your hand. My other TikTok dude, that did well. That did well. So yeah, that's what I'm up to. Hoping to continue growing Meeting Pair. I'll let you guys know if I ever come back about this app and what that'll turn into. And if I get into a boardroom or a pitch for that, it'd be pretty cool to see what that turns into or. Hey, maybe you'll just spot it on the app store and say, Hey, I think I know a guy that actually thought of this, even though, <laughs> even, good, dude. even though he'll claim to the have been like, get, I had this idea. <laughs> <laughs> how you get, just keep on repping this podcast and keep coming yeah. back. You bet, man. It'd be great. But all right, dude, thank you so much for coming on Reese. You're a huge inspiration in my life. You're somebody that has really stuck with me through the ups and downs and trying to promote me to, or really push me to do this. And you guys that are listening, um, you can definitely thank Reese for a lot of what's going on here. So, uh, guys, thanks for checking in. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can always check us out on, we're going to be better out hosting YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Kyle's going to make sure I get on Google Play at some point today or within the next couple of days. I don't know. Um, we're going we're gonna to work on some of that, and uh, we'll get that done. But thanks a bunch, Reese. Kyle McLean, thank you so much for producing this podcast. Yes. He's sitting you, in, the, in the chair. He had to listen through this whole three hours. Yeah. That was crushing it. Yeah, he's killing it. <laughs> we got to get him a mic and then me and me and Yeah, Rachel that's got to be one of the episodes. Yeah, we're going to interview him one day and, and we'll chat about that. But all right, guys, thank you so much again. And uh, we're logging off for now. See you in the next one. Peace. <laughs>